There ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise right out of the ground Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well look way down the river what do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down All well, right, creatures of the night Welcome to episode 162 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging of the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all Tizam, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for this final chapter, this final era of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, the last outlaw himself, the dead man, the phenom, the undertaker. My, uh, I just said my name is Alex Dorio, but I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night. He is one punch away on his frequent visitor card to Abdullah the Butcher's house of ribs and Chinese food to getting a free buffet meal, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, <laughs> I know, I see you getting hungry over there, but, uh, we... <laughs> we are headed to, it. headed to Atlanta where the play is play. Headed to our backyard to kick off this era as we head to WrestleMania 27, a match we've been waiting to talk about for nine years because we were there for it, man. We were at WrestleMania. We were there for it live. So we've been dying to share our stories from it ever since then and especially since this podcast started. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. Is that some kind of DX thing? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I am ready, man. There's you know two episodes that really stood out when we before we started this adventure, and one was going to be WrestleMania 20, and one was 27, because again we were both there together for these. So yeah, been looking forward to this one, uh, man. <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher. We'll get to that later on. So both are going to But you know when we started this endeavor, we talked. I talked way early on in the first few episodes about how we got different like. You know, it's all the same story, same guy. We got different volumes, you know. So we basically closed up the last volume. This is the, the final volume in his, you know, his, uh, his tale, you know, from starting in 1990 to to where we're ending in 2020. But right now we got, you know, this 10 years ago back in, back in 2010 and 11 that we're going to talk about here. But it's, the rest of these 10 years are going to fly by. This volume is going to be really short. So. That's right. So just to explain things, folks, if you if you haven't if you didn't listen last week or you haven't listened in a while or or if this is your first time, we are going on a 
encyclopedic exploration through the career of The Undertaker. We go match by match through his career, uh, pay-per-view match by pay-per-view match. That's how we break the episodes up, starting obviously with Survivor Series 1990. And here we are at episode 162. We've reached WrestleMania 27, and we've broken it up into four eras of his career. The first era, obviously the Dead Man era... 1990 to 1999, uh, he comes back, he's uh, he's the biker taker, so we got 2000 to 2004, uh, and he comes back then as the return of the dead man. This one right here that we've broken it off to, maybe not officially recognized as a new era, but we, we sort of right. did a cutoff there. This is really the beginning of this final stage of his career where he's only wrestling once or twice a year. So, exactly. like we've said before, we're going to be covering WrestleMania episodes for the next five or six episodes because yeah. that's all he does here. And so this is the last outlaw. He calls himself that. Triple H calls him that during this time. So this is really the final stage of his career. And you know, as you heard the music at the beginning of the show, there ain't no grave that can hold his body down. So you, you never know. There may be more to this career yet, uh, but it does appear that he has finally retired. And so this should be the final phase of his career. So the next uh, 20 or so episodes are going to cover this last era. Um, and still, folks, still a lot of awesome stuff to talk about in this one oh, yeah. included. Man, we're not just biased because we were there for it in person. This is widely uh, widely appreciated as a fantastic match, part of this WrestleMania tetralogy with Shawn Michaels and Triple H, the third in that series. Uh, I think maybe the most underrated of that series, just because the other ones yeah. you know, all have their own unique spots. But this one, man, it's it's fantastic. And watching it back... You know, not to spoil what we'll get into at towards the end of the show, man. It was probably even better than I remember. Uh, same here, man. Absolutely, because uh, I, you know, I only watched it back probably one time. You know, after we got back from the show, I watched it once again, or maybe twice, but still, just reliving it here and all the memories. And we'll get to that later on. But let's uh, rewind the clock back to 2010 after he was buried alive and uh, see where he goes before he comes yep. back. Let's pick it up. We take our time traveling hearse back to October of 2010. Uh, like Travis said, we'll get to WrestleMania. We'll share our our memories from being at the show. Got a lot of fun stories to share. We'll get to that later on in the night. But let's talk about how we got to this match itself. We left off with The Undertaker being buried alive by his brother Kane and by Paul Bearer and Oddly enough, by the Nexus at Bragging Rights 2010. And so I just wanted to mention, okay, why in the world did that happen? What what could possibly be the explanation? Why did the Nexus get involved? Well, I'm sure they got something good cooked up. Oh, of course. So so the Raw after Bragging Rights, October 25th, 2010, the Nexus are going to open the show 24 hours after helping Kane bury the Undertaker and address this, this these shenanigans. And Wade Barrett, the leader of the Nexus, says to the people who have been wondering why they did this, it's none of your business, but we had our reasons. <laughs> that's my Wade Barrett impression. But uh, that's literally it. He moves on to talking about uh, his feud with Randy Orton and John Cena here. That's it. Never mentioned again. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. We're never going to touch that again. Nope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it, dude. They, they just explain it by not explaining it. So, 
Yeah, that's a secret wrestling code for we've got no clue what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you might know that code if you watch Raw these days, but uh, you know it definitely definitely felt like a tease to some sort of WrestleMania match, uh, and I think there was obviously inklings of that and, and some sort of thoughts about having Undertaker Wade Barrett match at WrestleMania, but. For some reason, it was not meant to be, and Wade Barrett and the core end up jobbing in two minutes at WrestleMania. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about that once we get the WrestleMania card itself. But To Kane. Yeah, to Kane himself, <laughs> the guy that they helped out. So it shows you how much they had uh, planned out at this time. Yeah, exactly. Well, that'll lead to the next SmackDown, uh, where we actually do get some Undertaker stuff. You know, it's the SmackDown of October 29th, and it opens with a kind of creepy video package about the Barry's live match and saying that, you know, his broken body was delivered and his soul was delivered and Undertaker's been buried alive. And then we get scenes from that night and we get scenes of Taker slowly walking through the purple haze. Like, like it's kind of a narration of kind of what happened and it's kind of, uh, you know, supposed to show him, you know, after he was buried and he kind of walks, he opens a door and walks through it and, this white light comes out and he steps through and it's got this weird, like ominous music playing in the background. And it just kind of is like a dream state almost. So, so yeah, it's got that ominous music playing in the background, just kind of showing, you know, uh, uh, I guess a, uh, dramatization. It could say that in little white letters at the bottom that, you know, like, like cops used to, or whatever, like, uh, those life, <laughs> lifetime movies or something. Like but after this, we get, boom, we get Kane's music and Kane's pyro come out and he and bear are the top of the ramp with the tombstone from last night. So, um, Kane says, the saga is over. I've proven my dominance over the Undertaker for the final time. My brother is never coming back. And then um, he you know, says he's proved his dominance over the Undertaker for the final time. Oh, sorry, I just said that. His brother's never coming back. And then he lifts some dirt like off the, the mound here and lets it fall through his hands and says he's going to set the record straight and not have anyone wonder about plots or weird conspiracies. He says, Taker is gone because of one person one person only, and that's Kane, which we just established on Monday. <laughs> Nexus helped him. No, I'm sorry. So that's that's been erased from history. history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. So <laughs> I don't even understand. But, um, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. But anyway, Kane, Kane then starts to talk to, you know, the fans about their meaningless lives, and they were, he removed the false hope that Taker provided for us, and uh, he's at this point. He's walked his way down to the ring, and he says he he knows we're all holding out, but Taker's going to return. But that'll never ever happen. Which don't ever say that in wrestling. But the time for the morning is now, and uh, Kane tells the fans to stand up and bow their heads to observe a moment of silence for the man you will never ever see again, my fallen and soon forgotten brother, the Undertaker. And he also gives himself a middle name. Uh, I mean, not, not a middle name, a nickname here. He's <laughs> could be his middle name. Could be Kane. <laughs> I can tell yeah, you I don't know. exactly who wrote that line. Uh, yeah, Vincent <laughs> Kennedy McMahon. The heartbeat of every blind insect in this audience desperate for a patriarch. That what does is, that even mean? That is some Alice in Chains stuff right there, man. <laughs> I, don't I don't get that. But, yeah, Vincent sounded like that's some good that's some good crap, pal. So, Well, their eulogy is interrupted by Del Rio and uh, – because, you know, that makes no sense. And they uh, wind up 
getting into it, and Ray Mysterio comes out and makes a save for Kane, which he's been feuding with him all summer. But right. somehow Paul Bear ends up getting draped over the middle rope and is holding on to the urn, and then Ray Mysterio hits a six one nine on Paul Bear. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, exactly. did not think I'd ever see that. No. No, did not think we'd talk about that 162 episodes ago. I'm glad he didn't bust his face open either. Seriously, I know. So uh, somehow Edge makes his way out there, and then Edge and Kane, uh, I guess, rekindle their rivalry from their broken marriage to Lita. Mm. And um, this winds up with Paul Bear being, quote-unquote, killed off yet again. So, you know, good riddance. And he'll pop back up in 2013 for a second. And then he... Literally, actually passes away, unfortunately. Right, so yeah, but we'll right. cover that. So, yeah, really weird. And Taker's gone for the winter, and to you know, nestle in his humble abode. So, we'll see what happens. It's a very strange ending to this Kane Undertaker rivalry, and you know, I, I really loved watching it back, and I and I yep. love the idea behind it. I love that they're sort of giving, or, or at first they were giving Kane the Undertaker's powers and his presence, and like he was rising above to be this massive heel and then all of a sudden undertaker's gone and this Kane he transfers over to his feud with edge and it becomes this comedy thing with edge kidnapping mm. paul bearer and then uh, as we'll get to by the time we get to wrestlemania Kane's a comedy character and he's lost yep. all of this edge and all of this dominance that he's had over the past few months and it's like it's just so disappointing that there was no end game for that yeah i know i know i agree you think that after he beats Taker three times in a row, after having never beaten him and re- getting his powers on stuff, he'd be the still the number one heel yes. on the show, you know, and just dominating everything and knocking down all challengers. Because how can you get how can you go any higher than defeating Taker three times in a row? So one of those things that we'll never know and we'll never understand. But this is not Raising Kane, our uh, side podcast that does not exist. <laughs> I just want to yeah, reiterate that one of our uh, one of our listeners on Facebook. Uh, let me get his name up here. <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, yeah, I we know. Didn't poor mean guy. To you. Um, I don't know if Pretty I can say it. In uh, Anton Antonio de Simone. Uh, I'm, I'm sure mm. I butchered that, but he said he told us on Facebook. I was actually searching for the Kane podcast, uh, and I bet I wasn't the only guy. Good job, guys. Keep going. So, uh, there is no actual Raising Kane podcast, folks. Uh, no. Okay. You know, never say never, but uh, not at the moment. If someone else wants to take that. You know, yeah, you're welcome. You have you have our permission to run with it. I'm sure it would be bonkers, but <laughs> this is nice. Talking Taker, and uh, we'll get back to Talking Taker in just a moment. Uh, I just wanted, uh, you know, we'll get to the Undertaker-Triple H feud next and how it all kicks off. But in between then, I wanted to share a quick story about a house show I went to uh, on January 9th, 2011. Uh, you know, we've been to other house shows during this time. We don't always talk about them or anything mm-hmm. like that. But this one took place in Memphis, Tennessee. I uh, went with my buddy Ian and Ed uh, to this house show, Ian was living in Memphis, and he actually worked for the Memphis Grizzlies NBA team at the time. So he worked at the arena, and he got us into the arena early. Uh, and that's why I wanted to share about this on the show. Um, you know, it's was, it was your basic house show. It was very fun. Uh, the highlight of it was I got to see Jerry Lawler and Mark Henry against CM Punk and Husky Harris. Holy crap. I'm just now thinking about that. I got to see Bray Wyatt and CM Punk against 
Jerry yeah. Lawler and Mark Henry. <laughs> sexual chocolate. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, that's uh, awesome. But Lawler did the pile driver uh, on. Uh, I think he actually did it on one of the other Nexus guys who ran in. I can't remember. Oh. But got to see him do a pile driver in Memphis, Tennessee. That's pretty so cool. So that was pretty neat at the time. You know what's uh, weird about that match? You, Jerry Lawler, Mark Henry versus Punk and, and Husky Harris, who's Bray Wyatt, is. Uh, the only one of those not a world champion WWE ever is Jerry Lawler. Nope. King nope. of Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. That is wild. <laughs> but uh, this was really fun because, like I said, Ian, he worked at the arena, so he, he got us in the arena early. We went up into his office, and we were just hanging out. And before the show started, he actually, we actually went – downstairs like to the arena level so we walked backstage this was a few hours before the show i saw you know the posters up on the wall gorilla position i saw like the catering signs and we didn't really see anybody walking around backstage but we actually walked out into the arena where the entryway for the house show was which right if you've ever been to a house show it's not the big titantron or anything but just a little stage And we actually all took pictures walking through that stage. Um, I was very nervous and scared. I didn't like do like a Chris Jericho pose or anything. I was just trying to like look casual, like, like we were supposed (laughs) to be there somehow. Like we we worked there. So we were trying not to draw attention to ourselves. So like Ian just kind of like snapped a picture, like holding the camera real low of me walking through the raw stage, just (laughs) looking real casual, just, just to do something stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then we went out into the stands, and in the ring, in the arena, was Finley, the Usos, uh, Tamina, and I believe Natalia. There, there was another uh, diva or, or female in the ring. I think it was Natalia. Uh, and there may have been a couple other people, but they were, like, practicing. They were, like, running some wow. moves together and, and doing some practice and stuff like that. And so we kind of, like, Sat. We didn't sit. We stood and and watched. And again, we were trying to pretend like we were supposed to be there. And <laughs> right. someone like you're not from outside. exactly someone from WWE or someone from the arena like came over and uh, me and Ed like turned around and we started like pointing up towards the lights, like acting like we were all like, <laughs> oh yeah, we need to move these lights around. Like, probably, yeah, does this look good to you? And Ian's trying to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and tell them, you know, I, you know, I work here. It's all good. You know, they, they, they asked us to be here to, to help out with some stuff for the show. And uh, eventually he tells us to leave, basically. And, and we walk up to the uh, uh, we walk up to the to his office, basically, and hang out in there. And like 10 minutes later, his boss comes screaming in to his office. He's like, I need to talk to you right now. And like, gets him over to his office. And me and Ed are sitting there like, oh, my God, he's going to lose his job because he kind of took us down there into the arena. And he talked his way out of it. He, uh, uh, His boss, just he really just wanted to make sure that he didn't sneak us into the arena. Like he, he, Ian's like, we have tickets. Like we actually bought tickets to right. the show. And he's like, all right, well that's fine. You know, just just don't go down there anymore. But you know, as long yeah. as you actually have tickets to the show, that's fine. You can hang out up here, but <laughs> just don't go down there anymore. Uh, but uh, just a unique experience. My only time walking through the WWE entryway. And uh, yeah, it's cool. 
<laughs> almost getting my buddy fired to watch the Usos practice. Hey, I didn't work it. <laughs> <In the ring. laughs> wasn't your job. No, I'm just it wasn't my job. No, I remember. Who cares? I forgot about the he got screamed at and everything. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. That is awesome. But yeah, man, that's uh just uh, didn't know any other time to throw that in. Just a fun story. And uh, oh yeah. Man, that takes us to what we're really here for, man. Undertaker and Triple H, where it all begins on Raw, January 31st, 2011. Tell us what we see on that evening. Yes, this is the night after Del Rio wins, the at the time, the largest Royal Rumble ever. You know, 40 guys. and Didn't Diesel come back during that? Yeah, that was, that was good stuff. So yeah. We'll talk about him uh, later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but we get this, you know, vignette. It's the first of a couple of vignettes. Uh, and it's got like this old, you know, like old Western house, like, or like saloon looking place almost without the swinging doors, but like just a front door. And there's, you know, there's some lightning and some rain. And we see the, some footage of uh, some black boots and a long, long black coat. They kind of step into frame and we see the, the just the boots at the bottom and so the boots kind of walk up the steps, and the camera zooms back, and then the the numbers two twenty one eleven burn into the screen, and then they kind of fade away, and that's that's really all we get. And I remember at the time a lot of speculation was Taker, you know, coming back to WrestleMania season, he's going to come back and do something. But I remember there's a lot of scuttlebutt that it could be Sting as well. You know, we heard that in the past that maybe he's going to come over, and you know, enough time had passed, and WWE was you know pg at this time so maybe sting would you know gonna you know come on over this time and um you know it was very ominous but as we're about to see it becomes way more apparent that it's you know don't get your hopes up for sting it's it's taker so which is (laughs) still great great. i i thought it was gonna be staying for sure you know it just made sense wrestlemania is gonna be in atlanta wcw territory and Man, there was a great fake image online that was uh, Sting holding up a playing card, basically playing off like the Joker in the Dark Knight, yes. and he's like got yep. it over one eye, and it's got the Undertaker on it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I knew it was fake, but it was just like it's, right. too, it's too good for them to not do. It this was good, it was so good. And you know, the rain coming down, the black and white that felt very Sting esque. Yes. <sighs> yeah, especially the rain. It really felt like. Uh... Like uh, Halloween Havoc, not Halloween Havoc, Starcade '97, just yeah. that whole that whole build and him in the rain and everything. So it was not meant to be, though. Um, so the next week on Raw, February seventh, two thousand eleven, there's another similar mysterious vignette, uh, basically the same thing. We see the the shack uh, or the old Western building outside, the rain falling, the numbers two twenty one eleven. We see the boots. We see this the bottom of a cloak entering into this doorway. But this time, we hear the opening chords and a little bit of the chorus of Johnny Cash singing. I'm not going to do a Johnny Cash impression. <laughs> he says, uh, ain't no grave what? can hold my body down. And we see those <laughs> you numbers. You do a Joaquin Phoenix impression. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that either. Yeah. <laughs> 221.11 uh, on the screen. But... You won't see this if you watch it on the WWE Network because exactly. of this Johnny Cash snippet that's going to be in there. So you got to go on YouTube. I think they're on like the WWE official YouTube page, but they're not on the WWE Network because of the music rights to the Johnny Cash stuff, which is 
Very disappointing. We'll talk about that as we get to the show itself and um, or to the Undertaker's really to his return. Really, how disappointing yeah. it is to not have that in there. But it was really unique and really special. And if you're paying attention, they used that song in the Undertaker Shawn Michaels build up as well. So that would be a hint, hint, hint that these mm-hmm. vignettes are about the Undertaker. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we mentioned back in '98 with the SummerSlam '98 match how just losing that music. That ACDC, you know, Highway to Hell, really just, if you're just watching this, you're a young fan, you've never seen this, you didn't see it live back in the day, like, you don't understand what music did for this build. Same thing here, man, because it's cut out of everything. So, and just really living it back then was so cool to see all this stuff. But um, that takes us to the next week, Raw, um, February 14th. It's Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And I will I will never forget this Raw. Um, uh this was the Raw that um, The Rock came back and uh, for, to the WWE for the first time in, I guess, seven years. And uh, I remember yeah. just – it went so long that night. I remember I was uh, <laughs> DVRing it and I had to set it for like the over – I had to like manually set it to like overrun because it was – it's usually set for the overrun, but I had to like add minutes to it because so, it kept going. But anyway, one of the loudest pops – I went back and rewatched it here. It was one of the loudest pops you'll hear just – you don't hear any crowds like this again, but this was awesome. I was legit marking out in the living room by myself, just loving it. But before we get to that, we get an, another vignette in the old Western building in the rain. A figure walks by the window, and it's pretty much Taker's body. And we see kind of his his face at this point. And the, the camera zooms up to his chest and his chin. And, yeah, you can pretty much confirm it. It's, it's Taker oh, yeah. at this point. And the camera goes back outside, and we see the figure walk toward the building as it ain't no great place. And then, again, 221.11 burns into the screen. But, like you said, we still were, like, hoping, like, man, maybe it's Sting, though. Like you said, Atlanta, man, it's dose W stuff. They're going to be doing dose W themed Hall of Fame. We're going to get Sting in there, you know, all this stuff. But, yeah. None of that was the case. So. Well, you've got two figures at, at the building now. You've got That's the Undertaker thing. appears to be inside, but then it looks like there's another person walking towards the yes, shack. So it's exactly. like, oh, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed. Exactly. And on 221.11, we're going to see the Stinger, but uh, not quite. We see another WCW alumni uh, on 221.11, Jean-Paul Levesque. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> but the mysterious date finally arrives, and uh, it's kind of like the uh, Chris Jericho original Countdown to the Millennium. We actually mm-hmm. get a countdown at the beginning of the show with uh, the same font as the two twenty one eleven numbers we've been seeing. We see a countdown of 59 minutes and 38 seconds until we're going to see this reveal. Uh, they cut back to it again uh, right before they got a commercial towards the top of the arrow, uh, t- t- top of the hour with three minutes left on the timer. We come back and it's counting down to thirty seconds, and we're, we're looking at the shack. We're seeing it. the The camera zooms in on it on the door, and the door flings open, and the Undertaker walks out onto the porch of this shack, and he looks up with his eyes rolled back as originally. Again, Ain't No Grave by Johnny Cash plays and the screen, sort of the film burns out and we see Undertaker 
standing there. The gong hits in the arena, and Undertaker's music comes out. He makes his way into the arena with all the smoke and flames and all the fixins, all that good stuff. He gets a huge reaction. Lightning strikes the top of the stage, and there's this giant XT symbol uh, that mm-hmm. we always call it, the Extreme T, because you used it as your logo on, uh, as for your creator wrestler, but it's like the cross with a big X behind it. And this time, though, it's not the one that under- that Stone Cold got hung on. Uh, it's, right. it's like got neon lights all over it. It's really cool visual on there, pretty awesome. And it's all fantastic. It's all great. Really, if you watched it on the WWE Network and you didn't know any better, you really couldn't tell the difference. You know, they edited right. it in there, spliced it in there pretty darn well. And the announcers are silent in the original stuff. They don't talk, so you, you can't tell that the announcers are being cut out because they're, they're not. They're silent during it. But, mm-hmm. man, it was just so awesome and epic to have this fantastic song this perfect song with the you know the gravitas of johnny cash singing it singing undertaker to the ring uh you know (laughs) it's a world of difference between johnny cash and limp biscuit but (laughs) it's uh it's missing it's not there it's lost to history i know man it sucks but Again, they do a pretty good job splicing his real theme song in. But, yeah, it was just – I remember watching this night back then and just being, like, blown away, especially by what's about to happen. So, Well, The Undertaker, you know, he takes his time getting in the ring, kind of surveys the crowd, looks around at him. Not a Scott Hall survey. He just kind of looks at the crowd. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Who came here to see The Undertaker? <laughs> <laughs> I wish Teddy would do those. <laughs> well, he takes his hat off and he rolls his eyes back, but as soon as he does, we hear time to play the game. And the crowd erupts at this. Yeah. Triple H interrupts the Undertaker. He appears at the top of the stage, uh trying to look like he's the Terminator, man. He's got leather oh, yeah. jacket shades on hair pulled back uh tight acid wash jeans on looks like he's straight out of the 80s but this is actually the first time he's appeared since extreme rules of last year yeah so he's actually been gone way longer than undertaker has uh i don't recall what his injury or his situation was but from what i best i could tell he had just some nagging stuff and then i don't know if he had surgery or not but he was taking more of a more of his corporate duties over at this point, I remember. So, because he'll come into play later this year with, you know, the authority ish, I guess the precursor to the authority and yeah. all the stuff with CM Punk. So, so the crowd is loving this. I got to admit, watching it at the time in 2011, I was disappointed because I was obviously hoping for Sting and it was just like, we've seen this. We've seen Triple H and Undertaker. We've seen it a million times. We've seen it at WrestleMania. Even, and I don't know, man. It was like, it did not get me hyped in the moment. But what does get me hyped is the rest of this segment. Because Triple H comes out, he stares Undertaker down, he does his water spit, he steps through the ropes, and he circles around Undertaker and goes to pose on the top rope. Meanwhile, the Undertaker is just motionless as he stares a hole through Triple H. 
The Triple H gets down. He kind of glares at Undertaker and brushes by him as he goes and poses on top of a th- another turnbuckle on the opposite side of the ring as Undertaker just does not move and does not take his gaze off of Triple H. Just incredible acting here. Mm-hmm. The lights finally come up. Triple H's music goes off, and Triple H and Undertaker stare each other down. And Triple H takes a step towards Undertaker and gets in his face. And the moment is just building and buzzing as they just take their time staring at each other and letting the crowd just continue to bubble over and erupt. Triple H slowly turns his head as he's staring at Undertaker and looks up towards the WrestleMania 27 sign at the top of the arena. And then The Undertaker follows suit and slowly cranks his neck around and looks towards the sign as the crowd just absolutely loses it as they understand oh, yes. what's going on here. Undertaker and Triple H turn their heads back toward each other. And Undertaker just kind of does this real subtle smirk, kind of like smiles and laughs at mm-hmm. Triple H and then puts his hat back on. He starts to walk past Triple H to leave the ring as the crowd boos as Undertaker seems to be walking away from this challenge. And then Undertaker does does it only the way that he can. He snaps back around and does yep. a throat slash right in Triple H's face. And the crowd goes nuts. Triple H takes a moment and he raises his hands up and gives Undertaker a crotch chop. And the crowd just continues to just blow the roof off the place. And they stare at each other as the camera fades to black. And you'll notice, as I talked about it, and you'll notice if you remember it, not a single word was spoken in this entire segment. Not by The Undertaker, not by Triple H, not by Michael Cole or Jerry Lawler or Matt Stryker or Josh Matthews. Nobody. Not a word was said. And yet, we've got a WrestleMania match right here. Yeah, I'm just... I'm speechless just reliving it right there with you. It was so effective. There's so much, there was so much said without literally saying a word. It was awesome. Just the little, the well-timed glance up, you know, like you said, Taker's kind of snapping his head back to Triple H and giving the throat slash and the the crotch shot. All of it was just magic to me, man. I just, this is seriously one of my favorite moments in raw history it stands out just like you know they talk about a lot of times you you love the matches but you remember the moments you don't even remember the whole matches of things and this is one of those things that vince lives for these wrestlemania or raw moments you know um things like this they're just so good and so effective and i love this i loved watching it back i loved hearing you talk to i was silent through your description because i was just <laughs> living living through it you know it was so good and i just uh, di- but you know what the reason it was good and effective is because these two are such icons and they yep. have such a history you can't yep. have no disrespect to anybody right now but you can't have you know you couldn't you could not replay this even if there were fans in an audience you couldn't replay this with pretty much anybody on and they've tried you know they try to do stuff like this a lot like i'm just thinking in my head of uh, ronda rousey when she debuted and just yep. you know did the point towards the sign and it's just yeah. so forced and, and goofy and cheesy. But this was perfect, man. Just a, a look towards the sign, a throat slash, and a crotch shot, man. Like nothing yep. else was needed. We got it. I was I said I started it rolling my eyes at Triple H coming out. 
by the time the segment was over, I was like, here's my money. I've already paid for it. Yep. <laughs> I've already paid for my <laughs> ticket. Let me pay you again. Take my money now, dude. Exactly. Uh, in the words of the great Sammy Hagar, silence speaks as loud as war. That's how I would describe that segment. <laughs> Sammy Hagar was great. <laughs> I'll respond just like you did. So, oh, that was great. Absolutely, man. The great Sammy Hagar just, you know, perfectly summed that up. It was oh, awesome, yeah. man. I just we can't put that that segment over enough. So Oh yeah. Uh, well we gotta keep we keep rolling here. So the next week, February twenty eighth, uh, Triple H opens a show coming down for a promo and uh, you know, right off the bat here, Josh Matthews and King uh, confirmed that WrestleMania 27, we're going to get Triple H first taker. So I just, that's, there you go. That Here was easy. <laughs> Who knows? So Krause chanting tri- Triple H and he kind of, he's like, well, it's good to see you too. Cause again, like you said, he's been off and it was, it was a completely unexpected mm-hmm. return. We didn't get vignettes for it or anything like that. Or, you know, a thing at the beginning saying Triple H coming back tonight. It was totally unexpected. So, he says he's done everything there is to do in WWE. He's uh, every accolade, every championship. You know, he's uh, defined the the uh, Elimination Chamber, defined Hell in a Cell, 13-time world champ. He started DX with Sean, started Evolution, been hated, been loved, defeated icons, legends, and immortals for 16 years. Seen them all come and go, and he's outlasted every one of them except for one, the dead man, which is true. You know, we these two... And then, like, Kane and Big Show and Jericho, who's, you know, uh, been gone for a little while and come back and is going to leave again shortly after this. Like, he's, you know, they they come and go. But these two have stuck, been there the whole time. So, well, even Big Show left for like a year. So, yeah, this, these two are there. And, you know, he says that Taker isn't the last outlaw yet. There are two. And so he says they're both very similar. And he knows that there's no challenges left in the locker room for Taker, which – Yikes! If you're one of the guys, the boys in the back. Sorry, so, Wade Barrett. <laughs> yeah, sorry, pal. So uh, he says, Taker lives year year to year by the streak, and Triple H is the only true challenge he has left. So again, yikes for the boys in the back. So, but um, he says uh, the only challenge he has uh, in the locker room is ending the streak. So it's going to happen at WrestleMania 27, the biggest event in history. History, people. Not the history of WWE. No. Not the history of anything. Just humankind's <laughs> history. The WrestleMania 27. The biggest event ever to happen. So, And then he says, you know, the last two will meet. And on that night, nothing else will matter. Dead man. At WrestleMania, you have only one thing left. And it's the streak. And when it dies, you die. And at WrestleMania, I have only one thing left, and it's the streak. And if I can't end it, then I'll die trying. Which those words are going to ring through the rest, remainder of this buildup. So, and then, of course, to just prove that he dominates everybody, King Sheamus comes out and Triple H pedigrees him to a table. And uh, Sheamus... <laughs> <laughs> then has a match against Evan Bourne and he loses in less than a minute. And so Evan Bourne actually connected with the shooting star press this night, not like he missed it all out the other week. So poor guy. <laughs> yep, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Well Triple H isn't gonna wrestle any during this build up, and Undertaker's not either. No. So this was this was like his tune up match. He's yeah, gonna beat up really Sheamus was. a little bit. 
And he's yeah, going to have another was. one uh, in a few weeks with uh, with Ted DiBiase, too. Yeah, he absolutely is. <laughs> Very similar to this. But, you know, later on, we're going to get Sean's, Michael's thoughts on Triple H first taker for Mania. we got a pre-recorded video that we're going to be going to several times through the next few weeks here. But he says, you know, he's on, on one hand, he's happy taker might finally lose. And uh, he's happy to hear about this match because his best friend's in it and he could actually end the streak. You know, but he's he's got mixed emotions since he's the one that couldn't get the job done the last two years. So, you know, he's like, I've been in the ring with both of them. And, you know, Taker, when you're at war with you, you're at war with your legacy rather than just a man. He's got a, It's a huge mountain to climb. We got, you know, clips of him and Sean uh, and just owning people in the past. And we got, he says, being in the ring with Triple H is a part of him that's vicious. And he's been in the ring with Triple H before and he's never seen compassion. And he's his freaking best friend, you know. So, and they show clips of them in their brutal matches over the years, which you know we can talk about the return match at SummerSlam 2002, and their Armageddon, uh, or I think it was Armageddon match. Their great yeah. match on Raw. Yeah. Their, you know, three stages of hell, all that stuff. So he says, you know, if anyone can beat Taker, it's going to be Triple H at WrestleMania. So, who's he cheering for? Triple H. But he doesn't know how he feels if Triple H actually manages to beat the streak. So. Really cool to add this history in. Again, it really brings this as a continuation of the last two years' matches. So really, really cool stuff, and we're going to revisit some more of it later on. Exactly. Man, like we've sat on here many times before, the best stuff is stuff that plays into reality and that has a, a tinge of that into it. You know, back when Teddy Long was trying to – do another screw job with with the Undertaker to yeah. to save his job. That stuff that's lame. That doesn't work because we all we all know it's not real. There's no there's no basis in reality for any of that. It feels yes. forced. All of this works because it is more based in reality. That this promo, like we see elements of reality throughout all mm-hmm. of it, and in the Shawn Michaels stuff, we know all of that is real. It's it's a mix yep. of of kayfabe and reality in here. And that's what makes this whole feud and and its piece and this larger puzzle work so well. So basically Taker and Sean, excuse me, Taker and Triple H are going to go back and forth with dueling promos week to week, Raw and SmackDown here. Uh, We're not going to go word for word for all of them, but uh, we'll just uh, hit the highlights. Uh, March 4th, 2011, The Undertaker appears on SmackDown. It's his first SmackDown appearance since October of last year. And he says that the... uh, Triple H basically doesn't know when to leave well enough alone. He says there's some mountains that cannot be climbed, some seas that cannot be sailed, and some streaks that cannot be broken. Undertaker says he agreed with what Triple H said on Monday. They're a dying breed. Triple H is awesome. He's everything he says he is and so much more. But he thinks it's interesting that Triple H thinks he's figured out how to make the Undertaker disappear. Um, Undertaker says beating him at WrestleMania will be easier said than done. And if he does win, he will be hailed as the King of Kings. But if he loses, and he will lose, he will become nothing more than a statistic, a name on a long list of people who came before him and tried to do the exact same thing. Taker says he plays no games and he bows down to no man. At WrestleMania... You will find out what 18 other men that come before you will find out. That I am indeed the last outlaw. 
and you will also find out what it means to rest in peace. Very solid, basic promo yeah. from Undertaker here, but it's just going to do what all these promos do and just get you a little bit more excited from week to week. But I will point out here, because Triple H, excuse me, Undertaker mentions Triple H will find out what 18 men before right. he came to find out. Triple H is one of those men. Exactly. <laughs> Triple H already faced Undertaker at WrestleMania 17. <laughs> we did a whole episode about it. It's a very yep. good match. And yet, just like um, they ignore Wade Barrett interfering in that Barrett Alive match, they're going to completely ignore that these two guys ever faced each other at WrestleMania throughout this entire build, never reference it, never bring it up, never show any footage from it, and it's so bizarre, and it like it's the only flaw in all of this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? I agree wholeheartedly, and they won't even mention it until we get to next week's uh, episode of the Talking Taker. So we'll t- talk about Triple H actually mentioning it there. But yeah, that was the only thing that just, you know, to me, just threw it in my face. Uh, that kind of brought it down from being real, you know, like just why not bring that history up? You know, we could say I've already I already tried and I failed one time, and then Sean tried twice and he couldn't do it. That's so it. it plays yeah. right into it. I don't understand why they skipped it, but, nope. you know, for the next year they'll bring it up. So. Um, well, Raw, March 7th, 2011, opens up with a uh, hype for this match. You know, we open up with the gong, and, and Ain't No Grave starts playing again. Not on the network, but you got to check it out on, on YouTube or Daily Motion or something. But really, and I just pointed this out. Um, I don't remember this happening until he just came back uh, at 221.11, but the LED boards in the entranceway have like a graveyard on them now, that XC yeah. symbol kind of in there. And I just like the like the iron bars on the graveyard and the tombstones. I just really, again, we talk about how much the production goes into to his character and his uh, his his entrances, his his whole aura. And it's just really, really cool to see here. So neat touch. But he comes down to, to the ring and says, you know, at WrestleMania, two legends will collide, two icons will battle, but there can only be one last outlaw. And he says that many people feel this is the year the streak's going to be broken, and the crowd actually boos. They're not ready to see that yet. So he says, you know, people think that the years and the battles and the injuries are going to catch up and that Triple H can can do what it takes to end the streak. And he reminds him what he what happened in the last two WrestleManias. Again, I wish right here he would have reminded him what happened yes. last time. They That's a perfect spot to <laughs> throw that in, you know. Let me remind you what happened, you know, 10 years ago. But they don't say that. They just talk about the last two years, you know, and then we get a we get a highlight video of you know the last two years of WrestleMania with Sean. So, and then Taker says, you know, there'll be no excuses, no regrets, no disqualifications, no countouts, no rules. Our match will be no holds barred. But he doesn't say it that way. But he does say <laughs> no holds barred. So he's saying nothing. We're gonna, you know, the, the possibilities of what could happen are endless. Taker says and. But there is one thing that is ironclad, and that is the end result. It's just like you said, Triple H. You end the streak, and I die. Or you die trying. 
Triple H at WrestleMania, you will rest in peace. So, really, really cool there. I like it. And later on, we get another video from Sean talking about this match and says, you know, their relationship with Triple H has changed over the years, but he knows him. He's climbed every mountain. So now Triple H is actually creating his own mountains to climb, which I like that um, analogy or metaphor there. It's pretty, pretty cool. So he says you got to respect that his ability and the, the darkness that he has inside of him, the viciousness. So that's why he thinks Triple H could defeat him. And, and that's honestly why I think if there's anybody that can defeat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, it'd be Triple H. He could go out there and do what I've never been able to do, completely take emotion out of the equation. He quite possibly is the only guy that could do anything and have absolutely no remorse about it. And I think that's what it's going to take to defeat the Undertaker. We get clips here of him just terrorizing people in, in the last, you know, 16 years and just brutalizing people in matches and using the sledgehammer and thumbtacks and stuff like that. So really, really cool, solid thing to add uh, Sean's two cents in here. Yeah, these videos with Shawn Michaels really, really add to the feud here. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nobody – I mean, we talked to St. Ridley Santos. You know, he theorized in that bonus episode that – Shawn Michaels is really the central character in these four matches. And this right. really adds to that. I mean, there's nobody that knows these two guys more and better. Nope. So it's really um, perfect and really fitting to have him describe uh, these two things. Um, oh, yeah. Just a little bonus thing to, to really hype this match up and make it feel even more special. So the next uh, week on SmackDown or the next few days later, Triple H comes out. Uh, to discuss Undertaker's promo from Monday night. And he actually throws to a video package. It's got some Latin words on there. Uh, Vive Diu Rex, which we see means long live the king. Uh, the king of kings, as Triple H calls himself. And it's just highlights of Triple H beating up on people. And Triple H says, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels matches, the two WrestleMania matches, were the best matches he had ever seen. Which is quite the endorsement right there. I'll say this is the guy who worships the ground Ric Flair walks on. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty big, pretty big bold statement there. And, you know, can't disagree. So it's so subjective, but, you know, really, he knew, especially after Dress 125, you can't follow that, dude. Exactly. Uh, but he says he couldn't figure out for the life of him how Sean couldn't get the job done against Undertaker. Ooh. And Triple H says he finally figured it out this past Monday when Sean, in his interview, was talking about emotion. And Sean said in that interview he was overwhelmed with emotion standing before the, the Undertaker. And Triple H says um, that... He doesn't have that same emotion. He has a dark side that allows him to do unthinkable things without emotion he says that may make me sound like a horrible person but it is true and i will stand in the ring at wrestlemania in the biggest match of my entire life look into the eyes of the greatest legend there ever has been or ever will be and mark my words i will do what i've never done before what no one has ever done before i will beat the undertaker i will not have emotion i will not care about the legacy standing before me i will not flinch i will not blink i will not hesitate I will not become unglued by things that go bump in the night. And Triple H ends that promo perfectly, saying, 
Undertaker, you, you made this match no holds barred. Thank you. And then walks in. <laughs> so good, man. Yeah, man. Such a perfect uh, exclamation point on the end of that. And again, he's not yelling and screaming through this. He's not whispering like he's Jake Roberts, but he's uh, he's just building up great, man. And one thing, we got no physicality between the two. They both came back the same night. We got a throat slash and a cross chop. And then we got promos and we got videos. It's very old school. Uh, and it makes you yearn. For that physicality, when you're finally going to see it at Mania, so no that's tag team that works. matches. No, they're not like no. Oh, that general manager has forced them to team together tonight. Like right, no, come on, this is yeah. Teddy Long's not coming out saying you go one on one with the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> so. But they're not even having matches like against no random other people too, which nope. is it, it kind of even makes this sets it apart even more, makes it even more special. Yep, exactly. So the next week on Raw, March 14th, 2011, we get the, excuse me, another Shawn Michaels video. He says The Undertaker is intimidating. Uh, he's got an intimidation factor, and he says his, his accomplishments and tenure speak for themselves, And his, his, but his best asset is the streak. You know, and he uses that to his advantage. He says there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and distractions with regards to the streak at WrestleMania. It's, it's very, very distracting when you're in there against him. And he says Taker takes... Sean says Taker takes on a life of his own at WrestleMania. It's just he becomes something else that night. And we get highlights of all of his victims at WrestleMania in the past. So and I believe Triple H was in that video, if I'm not mistaken. So. <laughs> but um, he says that, you know, uh, the streak's too much to handle, and he doesn't know if it'll ever be broken. And it's the literally the hardest thing you'll ever have to do in this business is defeat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. So... Pretty, pretty cool. And uh, the, the next, you know, a couple of days later on SmackDown, I'll just real quick, we get a replay of the same exact video. So nothing else extra there. They uh, just rolled that same beautiful bean footage for, for all of us to witness. Well, on Raw, March 21st, 2011, um, actually, Michael Cole is going to open this episode uh, dressed up as JR as he comes out, huh. uh, building up to another WrestleMania match. <laughs> The King, which uh, we can talk about when we get to the show. But Triple H is going to come out after that uh, as the back and forth between him and Undertaker continues. And uh, Triple H wonders if this will be the last time he'll ever be in this arena. And uh, says in two weeks he'll have the defining moment of his career. And that it will also be the defining moment of the Undertaker's career as well. He says the whole world is talking about this match. It's the biggest one of his life. No one will be the same after this match. And he says the streak is bigger than any championship he's ever had. And ending it will be a career-defining moment. That's something we talked about a lot in the Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. matches that really you know, made it special. It's, it's one of a kind, uh, the streak is. So yeah, and we mentioned too in that WrestleMania 24 when that, that's why that main event was so big because it was for the title and the streak, you know what I'm saying? So it's pretty, pretty cool. Triple H says he wants Undertaker to do him a favor, to come to Raw next week, look him in the eye, stand face-to-face, and let him tell him what's going to happen at WrestleMania. He wants to tell the Undertaker to his face, you will lose. I will end the streak. The thing is, when it dies, so does the Undertaker. 
If I can't do it, I promise you I will die trying. But dead man, I want that one last opportunity to stand face to face with you. Like your song says, ain't no grave can hold this body down, right? When I end the streak, that's it. It's done. Undertaker, at WrestleMania, you go 18 and 1. You will rest in peace. And it was perfect Triple H promo here, dude. Yeah. Simple, straight to the point, sells the pay-per-view. And uh, once again, Triple H gets interrupted by a jabroni right here. Uh, this time it's Ted DiBiase <laughs> Jr. And uh, he says, one year ago, I was a rising star in WWE. I competed in my first WrestleMania match against Randy Orton. And now this year, I'm an afterthought. And uh, True. <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So uh, he's going to take an opportunity tonight to to take out Triple H on live TV two weeks before WrestleMania. And uh, I'll give you I'll give you one guess as to how that works out for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, not well. Pedigree through a table for Ted DiBiase here tonight. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, pal. Uh, and then later on, uh, instead of a Shawn Michaels video – Oh, hold we, on. When he does that pedigree, he does a throat slash to Mark Taker, me. which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I keep saying pretty, pretty for some reason tonight. I don't know why I keep saying that, but it's just on the tip of my tongue. But, yeah, pretty cool to see him do that, just to send a little, you know, a little bit of salt in the wound there to Taker. Yes, awesome moment there. Sorry, I was speeding through it. I forgot to mention that. But, yeah, uh, does that throat slash to taunt Undertaker. Uh, very nice touch from Triple H there. But, uh, instead of a Shawn Michaels video tonight, we get comments from a bunch of guys on the WWE roster and a bunch of legends about this match. Yeah. So we see the likes of John Cena, Big Show, Randy Orton, uh, Arn Anderson, The King, JR, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Chris Jericho, Dusty Rhodes, and Harley freaking Race talking <laughs> yeah, about dude. Undertaker and Triple H at WrestleMania, putting over the importance of that match. 18 and 0. That would be like a team winning 18 Super Bowls in a row, wouldn't it? Unheard of. At the beginning, you think luck plays a lot of it, but 18 years, luck would have run out a long time ago. Just another cool segment that, that puts over what a big match this is. Um, really feels like the main event. <laughs> the does. way the build goes and with these two guys in there. Um, <laughs> it's it's laughable looking back on it that The Miz is in the main event of this show and not these two guys. It really is, man. And, I mean, even Jericho says in this little video package, he says, you know, this is WrestleMania now. You know, this match the streak is wrestlemania now so again like you said it just really sends the the idea home that this is the main event of wrestlemania they're opening shows they're closing shows they're on raw they're on smackdown uh but you know lo and behold that's not the case yeah well that's gonna take us to uh smackdown march 25th 2011 undertaker actually comes out makes his entrance but he stops at the top of the stage there he doesn't come all the way down to the ring he's 
bathed in the purple light there, and he says the more things change, the more they stay the same. He says Triple H thinks he has the equation of how to eradicate the Undertaker, which, come on, that's a Vince word, eradicate. <laughs> like, it's great, but he says, you know, take, uh, Triple H talks with confidence about breaking the streak, but, you know, he says he heard Triple H on Raw, and he thinks the confidence is beginning to fade into uncertainty. And that uncertainty will turn into despair. And as the days grow closer to the apocalypse, Triple H will realize the words die trying were more prolific than he thinks. It's the words die trying that will be the epitaph for his tombstone. He looks forward to Monday when he gets to tell Triple H face to face. He says on 221.11, the night Triple H decided to interrupt him, his fate was decided. At WrestleMania, Triple H will put all of his accolades on the line and become a number. And that number is 19. Ooh. Pretty like good that. stuff, man. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it. I, I think these two guys know how to cut a promo. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes us really to the go-home show here. March 28th, 2011. Six days before WrestleMania 27. Um, just like to point out on this episode of Raw that the murderous, monstrous Kane that we talked about for weeks here on this show. Yeah. Uh, does Santino's trombone taunt in the ring on this episode of Rob? <laughs> Just immensely disappointing moment. But so funny. I mean, but yes, you're sure, right. Out of context, it's, fantastic. Yeah, but Very yeah, it is. Very disappointing after what we just covered. <laughs> yeah, again, we go back to our early episodes, just how we love storytelling. I love, I love seeing the story play out. I love long-term storytelling. And yeah, they had nowhere for Kane to go after he beat Taker three times. And now he's, you know... Playing uh, what's what's the New Day's podcast or New Day's uh, trombone called? I forgot, but it he's playing the, pre- the precursor to yeah, the precursor to her here. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, uh, better than that, we get a uh, we we get the first face off since two twenty one eleven between the Undertaker and Triple H here tonight. Undertaker accepts Triple H's invitation to come to Raw. Undertaker makes his entrance first. And Triple H actually cuts him off once he's in the ring and makes his way down to the ring. But as Triple H is standing on the apron about to do his water spit, Undertaker cuts him off and cues up the gong uh, to hit and the lights to go out. Uh, Lights come back on and Triple H and Undertaker standing in the ring face to face. Um, (laughs) It's really great here. Uh, and Maybe we're going to get no words between each other again because wait a second. It's Shawn Michaels' music playing now. Uh, Shawn Michaels makes his return as Undertaker and Triple H are staring face-to-face. He is the Hall of Fame class headliner this year yeah. at WrestleMania. And he he just comes dancing down the aisle like nothing's going on here. In a beanie. <laughs> In his beanie. Uh, doing his uh, pyro, getting down and praying yeah. and doing all that stuff. Like there's not two other legends in the ring at the moment. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, he grabs a mic, says, oh, I'm sorry for interrupting here tonight, but there's no way I'm missing this. He says, WrestleMania 27 is going to be the biggest match of both these guys' careers. On one side, there's the greatest streak of all time. On the other side, there's the game, his best friend, Triple H. And uh, Sean says, he just has one question here tonight. What in the world? Makes you think that you can do what I couldn't. 
and he turns mm. to Triple H and asks him that. Triple H takes the mic, says the truth is, Sean got soft. What he said a couple weeks ago. Somewhere along the way, he realized that he didn't have to win to be Mr. WrestleMania to be the showstopper. And Triple H says, I'm not Shawn Michaels. I do have to win, and I will win. Triple H goes back through his history. He says 16 years ago, he walked into the locker room, and he says he saw one guy that stood head and shoulders above mm-hmm. everyone else, The Undertaker. Triple H lists off all the injuries that Undertaker has fought through throughout his career and says he had so much respect for him. He's patterned his career after him, um, that he is the man in the locker room, and um, that they have this special relationship with each other. And Triple H says five or six years ago, him and Sean made a pact that it the other one would tell the other person if they ever needed to retire. And if right. they didn't listen, then they would do the job for them. Triple H says he came back on 2-21-11 after a year off to look Undertaker in the eyes and say, it's that time. Triple H says he knew it wouldn't be popular. A lot of people can't see that or don't want to see that. But it, and, but while he'll always be the dead man, in six days he will no longer be undefeated at WrestleMania. And with all due respect, at WrestleMania 27, you and the streak will rest in peace. So that's some words that haven't really been spoken to Undertaker before. And kind of, this, this is sort of a promo that takes Undertaker into this final era of his career it sort of mm-hmm. pushes him towards that and, and puts that seed in everyone's mind that oh we're, we're we're in the end game like we may have seen that and we may have thought that but they're actually saying it on right. tv that he's closer to the end of his time than the beginning yeah and that was huge for the time because again we kind of thought that for a while but you know like i said them acknowledging it on on screen we just didn't know it's going to take another nine years for it to come oh, to yeah. fruition, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was good stuff, man. I really enjoyed this whole banter and this whole promo that you're about to you know, finish covering here. So good yeah, stuff, man. Very shoot like as Undertaker snatches the yeah. mic and says, "If I ever get to the time where I feel someone should put me down, I'd want that person to be you." He says that to Triple H and he says, "That's the respect I have for you, but it ain't that time." Ooh. <laughs> I love that. Undertaker says he knows Triple H will kill himself trying to end the streak, but in the end, the streak will still be alive, and so will I. And Taker says, if you don't want to take my word for it, ask Sean, as he points to Sean Michaels. Undertaker says, Sean Michaels wor- walks around every day of his life as the man who gave him the two greatest WrestleMania matches of his career. Mm. And he came that close, but he still couldn't get it done. And now when I look in the eyes of Shawn Michaels, I don't see the same confidence. I don't see the same arrogance. What I see is a man that I humbled. What I see is a man who will soon go into the Hall of Fame full of regrets. What I see is a man 
whose career I ended. And Undertaker shoves the microphone into Shawn Michaels' chest. And Shawn starts to walk away and then does what only Shawn Michaels can do. He turns around and goes for a sweet chin music out of nowhere. But Undertaker actually grabs his leg and then goozles him. Triple H shoves Shawn Michaels out of the way and gets in Undertaker's face. And Triple H grabs the mic again and says, Shawn, tell him why I'm going to beat him at WrestleMania. Uh... Sean, and then Sean just kind of stares at Triple H, and he won't say anything. He's kind of standing with his head down, and Triple H goes over to talk with Sean, and Sean just walks out of the ring. Triple H demands that he look at him and turn around and talk to him, and Sean Michaels just mouths the words as he's walking up the stage, I'm sorry, you can't win to Triple H. As... Again, Shawn Michaels, give him an Emmy, give him an Academy yeah. Award. He's just the give him a Slammy, I guess, because he's the best wrestling actor ever here. He puts off that doubt. He plays into this so well, uh, and just adds this final piece of dressing: that whipped cream, uh, the croutons, the 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 salad dressing. I mean, you can if you want, but uh, I guess. It's the finishing touch, the cherry on top to this build. And uh, it's quite surprising because it actually leaves with Undertaker looking strong here, which if you try to overthink WWE booking, that makes you think, oh, Triple H is going to win on Sunday. Yeah. He is going to end the streak because Undertaker ended it looking strong here. Yeah, and I remember you know being kind of in doubt and, and they, f- trying to figure out what's actually going to happen during this match as we got to wrestlemania and i mean i love the way this ends this the, again i like to talk about the cinematography of some of this stuff it's a yeah. really cool shot when when you know um taker leaves and triple h is uh, he gives triple h one last look by the apron and you know you see triple h way in the background in the ring the wrestlemania 27 signs above his head it's over taker's shoulder and it's just a perfectly like uh I don't know, perfectly placed camera shot. I just, I just really, really loved the way it ended. It was really, really cool. Oh yeah, they they knew what they were doing back then. Yeah, absolutely. So it was good <laughs> stuff. Well, that's gonna take us to the last SmackDown, which is another one of those weird ones I do from you know live from Access. And this is April first, April Fool's Day. So pretty much what we get is a bunch of foolishness from uh from uh <laughs> yeah from WrestleMania Access and. Uh, we actually got to see a match from WrestleMania Access. We'll talk to that in a minute, but um, we get a cool sepia-toned video package of all sorts of clips from the past 20 years of Undertaker and Triple H, and there's this acoustic country song playing, and uh, I think you finally found out the name of it, right? Yes. I you know, just did the uh, thing on my iPhone uh, asking what song it was. It is... Oh, okay. Um... Let's see, I put it They also in... re-air the entire promo segment from Monday that you just covered, so that's all. There's no physicality, no new stuff, but this new song. It's by a guy named Mark Colley, and the song is called mm. In In Time. So it's on Spotify, you can find it on there. Uh, apparently it's on the Punisher movie soundtrack, which is where I'm guessing Triple H heard that song. <laughs> His boy Kevin Nash was in it, so... Oh yeah, yeah there you so. go. That's probably, probably what made so. it... The Russian guy who had no speaking parts. <laughs> they all got cut out. So, yeah. 
But this oh, um, what a terrible. What's movie. his name? Mark the Border Collie. Mark said, Border Collie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Good deal. So yeah, that's it. That's SmackDown. That's that's the way we end this build. So pretty much ended on Monday with that fantastic promo between those three that you talked about. That's going to bring us to our fantabulous, wonderful weekend that we uh, got to spend together. And you know, jog my memory. Didn't you? Uh, uh, what, what tickets went on sale in what November or September or something the year before? Yeah, I know we we started saving up early the, on. This is where it all began for us. Yeah, and, and the build it ended, but the uh, the story begins for us uh, as we make our trip to WrestleMania twenty seven. They they went on sale sometime around then. I don't recall exactly, but you know whenever they announced WrestleMania was coming to Atlanta. We pretty much all made a pact. Yes. It's happening. We're going we're going all the way too. We're gonna to try to do everything. We're gonna get the travel yeah. package. Because you know, in case you don't remember, Travis and I, uh, at the time we lived in Augusta, Georgia, so about two hours uh, away from Atlanta. Uh, I live in Atlanta now. Travis lives in Tennessee, but at the time we lived in Augusta, grew up in Augusta, and so WrestleMania coming to Atlanta was like this was our dream, man. As wrestling mm-hmm. fans at the time, I remember as a kid, you know, fantasizing about WrestleMania coming to Augusta. Like, obviously, yeah. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Things would have to go really downhill for WrestleMania oh, yeah. to come to the James Brown Arena. Yeah. <laughs> the home of ECW December to Dismember, uh, which oh. is a bonus episode of ours that we went to and talked about on the pod. But uh, WrestleMania coming to Atlanta to our home state, it was unheard of. It was unbelievable. Um, so we. We knew we were going to do whatever it took to get there. So um, we bought the tickets. We got the travel package. Me, you, our buddy Chuck, and our buddy Josh. We both talked about both of those guys on the show before. That was our foursome. Uh, you could only buy a maximum of four tickets to the show. So we got the WrestleMania tickets. We got Hall of Fame tickets. We got access tickets. We got um, a private autograph section session tickets and we got our hotel that was all part of the travel package there we knew this was probably once in a lifetime for us uh to be able to go do this um you and josh were married at the time um no kids yet right no, no kids. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody had kids, kids yeah. yet. So y'all were both married. Chuck and I were not married yet. So this was probably, you know, only period in our life where we'd be able to go yeah. do something <laughs> like this. So we were going to go all out, all the way to go do it. So, you know, as soon as that happened, you know, we, it was just a countdown. Counting down the minutes and the hours till this trip could happen. Absolutely. I remember my wife like, well, sure. I mean, if you can save up some money for it. And so I had a little, I had a little jar and I put money in it every <laughs> month or any extra thing. I feel like a little kid, like mowing lawns for like, like to make a cool, to make a like lemonade stand or something. But anyway, it was just, I mean, I worked my butt off and, uh, put money aside just for WrestleMania. And, uh, yeah, I think you would order the tickets and, uh, we paid you back. I paid you back. I don't know if anybody else did. Eh, well, <laughs> Very still out on that. no hard feelings. It's nine years yeah, later. I, I paid you that. <laughs> you I did absolutely. Much, yeah. You did. Yeah, I know. So, you did. And I dro- and I actually, you know, drove down. Everybody again. paid some. I'll just say that. <laughs> some paid all. Some paid all. All, all paid some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, was going to meet you guys down there because at the time I was living in Nashville. But again, That's right. Augusta was still and Georgia was still my home. 
where I'd grown up, where I lived for 23 years. So, you know, uh, still more than, you know, half my life. So, um, really, really excited to drive down from Nashville and meet you guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into it as we go through it all here. Yeah. So you drove down Friday, right? And uh, yeah, checked into the hotel word. for everybody. Very, very nice hotel. Um, can't Marriott, remember what it was. Marriott. Yeah. yeah right there. Were, yeah. yeah. First time I ever valeted my car. Oof. Like I just know where to park. And I mean, dude, whoa, yikes. I didn't, I didn't put that money in my jar. I wasn't planning no, on that. The parking was so yeah. expensive at the hotel, uh, not included. Yeah. It was like $20 no. anytime you wanted to move your car. Basically. Yeah, it's out of control. So. so we tried to walk wherever we could, but uh, Josh, Chuck, and I, we all drove in from Augusta Friday and met you up there at the hotel. And uh, it's one of the things, watch along Tommy, uh, he was at this WrestleMania as well. He, I, I'll read his comments later on in the show when we get to all the fan reactions. But one of the things he brought up was the whole city was really decked out in WrestleMania yeah. stuff, man. It was crazy. There were banners on all the light poles as you drive into the city, um, stuff, you know, everywhere, all sorts of WrestleMania stuff. It was really neat to see as you came into the town. It was. And the, the hotel we were in had, do you remember it had like the ice cream stand? And the yes. guy was selling like WrestleMania flavored ice cream. Yes. <laughs> themed ice cream. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Big old uh, posters of all the different superstars and wrestlers and divas and whatever you want to call them. But yeah, it was uh, really, really cool stuff, man. We really were impressed by how big the city went out for it, you know. So we checked in, we got to put all our stuff down, and then we just went out walking around the city, basically, downtown Atlanta. And the first thing we, we saw, we stumbled across some other wrestling fans right outside the hotel, and we were asking them what was going on, and they said that the wrestlers were right across the street, at the opposite hotel, across the street. Mm-hmm. So they were just getting into town or coming in and out of the hotel, so they were you know, stalking the wrestlers out there. Absolutely. What else, what else do we have to do? We're going to go out there and uh, and watch them come in and out as well. Absolutely, without question. Yeah, it was like they're all driving up to like the back door, but the back door is facing exactly where we are. So we see some folks uh, some folks pull up, and um, I mean, it's just so many good things. I hope I don't forget them here, but, you know, we see Captain Charisma, you know, the Captain Charisma, the man who will go on to win the World Heavyweight title here in May of this year. Um, <laughs> he pulls up in only something that a Captain of Charisma could pull up in, which is just a Toyota Camry. So, Captain just, Camry. Exactly. <laughs> Captain Camry. Uh, they might have been out of rental cars. <laughs> Uh, they must have been. He's got like this 99 Camry. Like it's not oh, even like a new him. model. Yeah, it looked like the one I drove at the time. So we saw guys like that. We saw uh, CM Punk walking out of the hotel with his Chicago Cubs hat on. Yeah. Some wanted fans. to follow him so bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some other fans did. And he like yeah. just ignored him. Gave him the cold shoulder as they were trying to get autographs and stuff. Um, one of the best was Ron Simmons walking out of the hotel and – you know, we're across the street. There's probably 30, 40 dudes. <laughs> basically, yep. there might have been a few girls, but it was pretty much all dudes just, you know, yelling stuff at all these wrestlers, ourselves included. And Ron sure. Simmons, 
he looks over at us. Pretty much nobody's given us any reaction at all. We're just right. popping ourselves. But Ron Simmons, he looks over at us. He looks over again. He looks over a third time, and he finally gives us a damn. <laughs> and we all just lost our mind. It's like he was oh, the yeah. only guy that said anything to us yeah. this whole time. But it was and he's Ron freaking Simmons. That was all we wanted. First black world champion here in Atlanta is awesome, man. And he gave us a time of day. Yeah, he may have cursed at us, but it was, uh, you know, something that we, we were, were looking forward for to. That was our buddy Absolutely. Josh's favorite. He loved Bronson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So good. And uh, we also, somebody, uh, actually, we like to, we, I like to throw a bone to not just the mayor of Knox County, Kane, but his wife. So, mm. again, Mr. Kane and his wife drive across the street like straight across the street and like turn around in front of us and Kane his uh, wife's it, driving yeah his wife is driving and they pull up Kane's in the past again it's like a it's like a Camry or something yes. Kane's in the front seat <laughs> and this like tiny little car the window down and he's like hey my wife's actually come say hi <laughs> hi yeah <laughs> hi we're like Mrs. Kane, Mrs. Kane. But we love Mrs. Kane at this he's point. He's so man. aggravated. She's awesome. Oh yeah, he's so. My wife said I should say hi. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't even like he didn't have the decency to tell us that like he wanted to do it. No. He basically said, I don't want to do this. I'm not excited to be here. But my mo- my wife slash mom almost in this predicament made me do it. So I love that man. And we were, yeah they drove off and we were just all chanting Mrs. Kane. Mrs. Kane, and it was so fun, man. So Weekend's fun. off to a great start so far. Yeah, dude. This is right <laughs> when we get there, man. So much left. We saw uh, JR chain smoking outside the hotel, too, like Son. every 30 minutes, man. Son. I mean, he must have smoked a pack in like an hour and a half, dude. It was, it was a lot of smoking hey, going man. on. He's had a rough life. He has. He has. <laughs> So. Well, that was uh, that was most of our wrestling stuff that night. We met up with some uh, Atlanta friends uh, that we went to high school with at a restaurant in Atlanta called Six Feet Under, which is still around. A great seafood restaurant yeah, if you're ever in town. <laughs> Perfect for our show, yeah. yeah. We actually ended up eating on the rooftop, but uh, the problem with that was this is April in Atlanta, unseasonably cold uh, this yeah. weekend. Like, we were freezing up on this rooftop normally it'd be beautiful it'd be perfect in yeah. april our buddy josh actually left dinner to drive to a walmart <laughs> to try to go find a jacket because he was so cold out there he said all he all they had was He's like a, a dallas cowboy starter jacket or something yeah. but uh he couldn't end up finding one could uh, use it, sean's beanie from monday it'd been nice <laughs> It was not the first issue. Uh, it was not the last issue that Josh would have that weekend. But <laughs> little did he know, things would get things about to go work. downhill for him. But we uh, ended up going back to the hotel. We played a, a round of Settlers of Catan in the lobby, uh, which was absolutely you know another thing that was big with us. We talked about on a on a prior episode, uh, but yeah, uh, that was Friday night. Yeah, that was Friday night, and then. The next day, so Saturday would have been access, right? We had our access. That was our first. Well, we yeah. started off with the autograph with the Miz. That That's was like right. First thing in the morning, um, I think there were like a few different autograph sessions, and it was all random who mm-hmm. you got. Uh, we ended up getting the Miz, which 
I was a huge Mismark at that time. Yeah, I mean, he was a WWE champion. I loved his heel run there, so I was I was down with it, dude. I was uh, excited to do that, and uh, we all got just a quick autograph with him. I got a uh, replica, just a kid's title belt autographed for right. one, of the, one of the kids that um, was in my youth group at church that I was the youth pastor for. That was a big wrestling fan. I wanted to bring back something really special for him. So I, I got a belt autographed for him. I asked Miz when he was going to get his own replica belt because he, uh, he had the version of the belt that had Just, the yeah. M on there and he's like i don't know man <laughs> yeah exactly. he didn't say too much but uh what'd you get autographed did you get anything yeah ms autographed my ticket i believe to that event so either that okay. or like a little program uh, has and we'll, we'll post pictures and stuff on our social media so you guys can oh, see absolutely. it so but yeah i remember being cool like because again full disclosure really liked the Miz here i was kind of dumbfounded when he won the title back in november from orton really blown away and then you know and we'll we can talk about this later but we we I really thought we were going to go with, with Punk and Cena. You right. know, I really thought that was right. going to be maybe Punk is the biggest heel on the roster, in my opinion. Uh, so good. And um, But then, you know, once you acknowledge that's not where we're headed, you know, we're not going there. We know the main event is Cena and, and Miz, and we're getting The Rock there, too, and his involvement. You know, swallow that pill and, like, look, Miz is great. I enjoy it. I think he deserves this, this spot at this point. You know, it's really fun, but... You know, if I had my way, if we had our way, it probably would have been Punk and Cena, but it wasn't what it was. But we got a great match from Punk and Orton that we'll talk about later on. So, but anyway, really, really cool stuff. And then later on, we go to Access and uh, just blown away. Well, you and Chuck went to Access. Oh, it's true. <laughs> Chuck and I went to Access. <laughs> yeah. So the night before. Uh, Friday night, Josh started getting sick in the middle of the night, started not feeling well. You and I actually walked around downtown Atlanta at like one in the morning trying to find like a pharmacy or we ended up at a gas station getting some medicine for buddy Josh, you know, just feeling bad. And I actually took him to an urgent care. (laughs) Yeah. uh, He was not doing well. No, it was not. So, yeah, you and Josh went there to the urgent care. Me and Chuck got to go to <laughs> Access for a little while. But you didn't miss out on all of it. You know, we, you got to come, you know, eventually. But you had a, you had a pretty cool experience uh, before I got there. Yeah, we did. So we Chuck and I watched. Uh, mentioned we watched some of the wrestling matches from Access. And, again, this was before NXT was a different brand like it is now. But we got to see some some of the younger guys and some of the – you know, Jabroni's wrestling at Access, which is pretty cool. But we got to talk to the little referee guy. I can't remember his name, but he's a really, really short, dark-skinned referee guy. And he um still in the company, still doing a great job. And he was just so cool. And, again, you guys got to know our friend Chuck. He is uh, – he's come up here a couple of times. But he does not know what to do when you meet a star or <laughs> when you meet – Again, this referee's not even a star, but he's somebody who's famous on TV for WWE. So uh, we start talking to this guy, and Chuck's nervously asking questions and all this stuff. And we'll get to more of those later on. But really, really neat guy. And he's, he, I really just cherish the time that he took uh, to talk to. He didn't have to, but he was just like, you know, he's. I think this was his first WrestleMania, and he was digging it, too. He was loving what was going on. So taking it all in. It's a really, really fun guy to talk to. Yeah, I remember being so jealous that you got to to do that. I thought that was so uh, so unique, so cool uh, that he did that. You know, just talked with you guys and talked with him. So mm-hmm. uh, I was I 
was pretty jealous about that, but that's okay. We got Josh uh, some medicine and got him feeling better and met up with you guys there and did the whole um, uh, the whole access experience, walked through all of the exhibits, all of the memorabilia that they had there, um, Undertaker's graveyard, which was really one of my favorite parts. You know, yeah. before we did an Undertaker yeah. podcast, I thought that was one of the cooler parts of access where they have all the headstones for all his opponents, including triple H, even though you yeah, talk exactly. about on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, we got pictures in the casket, you know, standing uh-huh. there and, and that was not a big chair we sat in. It was like his throne. Ministry throne of thing. Throne. Yeah. The ministry throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got a picture uh, in there. Chuck was legitimately scared. Like he was like, he would not yes. take a picture in the casket. He's like, Nope. Nope, not doing that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's not the only thing he's scared of this weekend. So, yeah, it was. He was scared of heights at the hotel. Uh, we were up on like the thirty-seventh floor of it or whatever. <laughs> he did not like being up there. He couldn't even go up the elevator. I was like, oh, bless his heart. He learned that day he's scared of, of heights. I believe. Hey. So my wife uh, is the same way. But well, we got uh, some pictures in Vince's office, you know, with the big T-Rex head on the, <laughs> on the wall and pretty cool. And we got some autographs from, you know, when you walk into Access, they're just kind of random lines for autographs if you don't have a certain particular guy to go to. So you don't ever know really who it's going to be. They have a certain time slot and who's going to be where, but they rotate in and out, kind of like Disney characters or Walt Disney World or whatever. But, yeah, no, you know, exactly. Yeah. And we were in line and we got, we got to talk to uh, – the Ted DiBiase, like the, the million dollar man, not his son, but the real one. And the original. Um, I remember being like, crap, I don't have anything from him to sign. What do I have for him to sign? And I was like, <gasps> I got it. I have a $2 bill I carried in my wallet since the second grade. Don't, I just, I just had it. Grade? Second grade, Amanda Knight's birthday party. Our party favors were, you know, you always give a little kid a goodie bag. Well, our goodie bag each had $2 bill in all of it, all of them. Uh, oh so it was pretty God. pretty cool party favor, and uh, I had a two dollar bill in my wallet. I pulled it out, and Ted DiBiase makes a comment I cannot repeat on this podcast <laughs> in the year twenty twenty about a two dollar bill. But no, uh, yeah. but anyway, he signed that, and I cherish that two dollar bill. It's fantastic. I love it. And he, of course, he does. Everybody's got a price for a million dollar man. <laughs> That's his little laugh afterward. And really, really cool to see that. And we were just freaking out because of what he said about two dollar bill. <laughs> it's funny. You uh, you might be the only person in the world with a two dollar bill autographed by the million dollar man. That's if special. you are listening and you have a two dollar bill autographed by a million dollar man, we would love to see it. Love to see it. It's pretty so. special, pretty unique. Uh, yeah. I might be the only person though uh, with a um, a fake uh, turnbuckle autographed by the million dollar man, which I've got here on my desk. So. All of my souvenirs from WrestleMania 27 were stolen. Um, I, st- <laughs> I stole a poster from uh, the food court at the uh, the underground mall that we went to. They had a bunch of WrestleMania posters. I just ripped one off the wall in there. Uh, it's hanging up in my office right now. Uh, ended up getting it autographed by Diesel at one of yes, our sir. access sessions. Uh, which is just random since he wasn't even at WrestleMania, but I just had right. it with me. Uh, and then this turnbuckle. So when we first went into Access, there's like a the entryway in there is 
there's got like ring ropes and, and turnbuckles. Yeah. And so we took a bunch of pictures over there, like throwing each other into the, the ropes and stuff like that. And uh, I was taking one with our buddy Josh, and I noticed that the turnbuckle on there, it's not like a real turnbuckle, it's just this right. Velcro thing. It looks like one. It really does look like a real yeah. one. It's like the same size, but it's just Velcroed on there. And I was just like looking at it, and I looked around. There's no security around there. Nope. There weren't a lot of people walking in where we were. So I was just like, yeah. I just like unsnapped it and took it with me. And I thought in my head, well, I'll just tell them it fell on the ground or something. I don't know. Like people walk into access with random crap that they're getting oh, photographed. Yeah. I was like, I'll just, I can get by with this. So oh, yeah. I just took that and I ended up, it was it, it was what I had. And I was like, we autographed this Ted DiBiase, and he looked at it kind of weird, but then he autographed it, and uh, it sits on my desk to this day. What do we do this podcast? Absolutely, <laughs> so cool, man. I uh, I remember being a little nervous about you taking that welcome, <laughs> hoping we didn't get kicked. I didn't want to ruin the rest of our weekend. I was getting kicked yeah, out of media. You, know, you had a history of my... getting in trouble at WWE events, as we just well, that's true. Back in January, I was a lot more bold back then. You know? <laughs> I asked one of the security guards for her pin. She had like a, a button yes. on her shirt that says Rough Man 27. And uh, I finagled it from her too. She didn't want to yep. give it to me at first, but I was, she uh, ended up giving it to me. I think we were like, come on, you don't even a fan. Like, you don't, you don't that want was the this thing. once it, yeah, you were like, you, you don't, you're not going to want this when it's over with. I want this. So, yeah, she reluctantly gave in, but it was like Disney World again, trading pins with the characters and stuff. So oh, wow. Of, wow. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> But oh, I, uh, I highly recommend Access once. Yeah. You know, like, I probably never need to do that again. It was it was fun. It was really cool to see all that stuff. But it's probably a lot of the same stuff every year. And, sure. you know, it's probably not worth the extra price to do it, like, every single year. The autograph lines are really, really long. And yeah. Those aren't very fun to sit through. But... You know, just to do it once and, and, and to see all that stuff because it is very, very cool uh, yes. to see at least once, especially if you're, um, you know, if you've been a fan for a long time. But it's not, I don't think it's something you need to do every year. And well, this was cool t- for us too because again, we'd been to Mania twenty. We were young and we didn't do. They didn't have all this stuff. They didn't then, have access. You know? yeah. But now we've gotten to do it. But it was really, really cool because this is Josh and Chuck's first WrestleMania. You know, this Period. is our, yeah. you know, first time doing this extra stuff. But this was their first WrestleMania experience, and especially for, you know, Chuck, who didn't get to do a lot of these, t- you know, get, go to a lot of these big shows and stuff like that. It's really, really special for us to make sure he had a good time, and he was. And again, he's <laughs> nervous, Nelly, and asking dumb questions. The guy had his <laughs> Japanese flag. Like, remember that in front of like the arena? <laughs> no, like, I don't remember that. the Japanese flag. No, he's like, uh, well, did you? Did you fly here from Japan? The guy's like, <laughs> yes. Like, I did. Like, he got, he's like, John's like, oh, he flew here. He was, I don't know if the guy was messing with him or not, but anyway, it was, it was great, man. Great. Well, he is Japanese, you know? Chuck's Japanese. Yeah. A quarter or half or something. I don't know. Absolutely. But <laughs> so, anyway. So, uh, Saturday night would have been the Hall of Fame, man. Yes, sir. Uh, actually, we went with our buddy Caleb because – he drove up from Augusta. Like I said, we could only get four tickets, and it was, you know, we. Caleb was kind of the odd man out that weekend. Um, he was newer to our friend group. The four of us had known each other a lot longer. Caleb was a great guy and a great friend of ours, but it was just like, ah, 
you know, we can only get four. It's gonna be the. There's only four horsemen. There was no room for a, a, <sighs> a, a JJ Dillon, you know. But yeah. um, he, we actually ended up getting a Hall of Fame ticket from somebody at the hotel that we went with, because the guy yep. was like, oh, "I'm gonna go see Ring of Honor tonight." Yeah. And uh, we were just like, "What?" Like <laughs> back then, this was like the first weekend really ever with WrestleMania where they had all these competing shows all weekend like yeah. Chikara and Ring of Honor and we were like dude what a nerd he's gonna he's gonna go to Ring of <laughs> Honor and not the freaking Hall of Fame whereas nowadays that would just be like you know you might be jealous of the guy going to uh I don't know about Ring of Honor anymore but maybe like you know some of the other shows around yeah. WrestleMania weekend but yeah. ended up giving us his Hall of Fame ticket so we called up Caleb and he not only he got that, but he bought a ticket for WrestleMania off Craigslist. And it was just like, I'm, yep. I'm just going to go sit in the bleachers for WrestleMania. Yep. And like, well, you sleep on the floor in our hotel room. Just come hang out. Yep. It was awesome, man. So, yeah, he came up. And funny thing was is that his ticket for access. So we have our four together. It's all in a package. So me, you, Josh, and Chuck are all in a row. Caleb's mm-hmm. ticket for acts, for Hall of Fame is, okay, we got our four seats, two guys next to us. Caleb was the third one away from us. And we were like, oh, how cool is that? They were in the same row and everything. And uh, we're like, hey, guys, when we get to, to Hall of Fame. Oh, yes, we're wa- wildly overdressed for Hall of Fame, by the way. We oh. thought it was going to be like a serious thing. You dress up for We took it seriously, respectful and everything. Most DJ Browns there are in their jorts and their, you know, NWO <laughs> T-shirt or Sunny T-shirt or whatever. So had no idea it was going to be like as um, as low key as it was as we thought it was a little more prestigious or took it a little bit more serious. Oh, but, I mean, I knew we, I knew everyone was not going to be dressed up, but I was just I, like, who cares, man? It'll be yeah, cool it'll be for, us. for us. Yeah, we'll all come on our shirt and tie, yeah. and we'll get yeah. some good pictures together, and you know. We're going to respect Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Absolutely. And dress up for his Hall of Fame. Sure. And, but um, anyway, our seats were, you know, our four and two guys, and then one more was over was Caleb. We asked the guys, hey, man, you guys mind if we just, you know, he's with us, we switch, you know, just one of you hop on the other side of the other one or move down two seats or whatever. And they're like, no, our seats are good. For, like, we like the view here. We're like, yeah, but it's like, it's like, it's like one, just one more. So, like, no, it's, we're, we're good right here. It's almost like Spinal Tap, dude. Like, these go to 11. Like, you know, it's just 10, but one louder. But, like, it's not it was an like, obstructed view, man. No. <laughs> no. It's the same. It's, and literally, they would have been one seat closer to the to the stage. You know, yeah. 18 more inches closer to the stage is a, is a button every 18 inches. That's what JR always says. So they would have just hopped down, you know, just shuffled, done the, done the old Kansas City shuffle, moved down one seat, and Caleb could have sat next to us. But nope, they did not. So. Kudos to you guys for sticking to your stubbornness and not relenting. So, Man, you know, the Hall of Fame is a lot different than it was in 2011. I think it's kind of uh, – I still enjoy watching it, but it, yeah, it's not quite as special as it was sure. back then. Uh, I, I really didn't like this past year where they were had their back to the crowd, half the crowd the whole time. I didn't like the new setup for it. But anyway – I recommend the Hall of Fame. We had a blast at it. Yeah. Especially Shawn Michaels being the headliner. Absolutely. You, know, you and I 
but one of our absolute favorite guys of all time. That was incredible to get to see him go in there. Legion of Doom, Sonny, uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong, uh, Drew Carey. <laughs> Somebody then, we did love, though, back in the day. You know, I love Whose Lines yeah. Anyway, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a really, really fun, uh, unique, special night. Uh, I love our pictures from that night. Sure. Uh, I brought my Hacksaw Jim Duggan foam 2x4 there. <laughs> I, I could have sworn I was going to get on TV, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, afterward, we went out to eat, went to a little diner down the road from our hotel, and Chuck took some cheesecake to go uh, from the from the restaurant. And uh, Josh, for some reason, <laughs> just as we're walking back to the hotel, he slammed Chuck's to-go container into the middle of the street <laughs> just to get a laugh from us, uh, just to be a jerk. Just <laughs> to be I'll, a jerk. I'll never forget you know, that moment. Chuck was so sad. He was so sad, man. His cake was smashed. But you know what the saddest part about the whole thing was? I do, yeah. Oh, uh, it was a homeless brother sitting right there, <laughs> right there, and Josh just slammed the cake. Josh, you could have at least just of him. gave it to this homeless guy. <laughs> exactly. We're like, come on. But it but was hilarious. It was hilarious. So, But, you know, Chuck was still hungry later on that night, so we, uh, we decided to order some pizza. We did. We ordered some pizza and uh, from Domino's, I believe. And dude, this took at least four hours for this pizza to come. Like, I don't understand if they were making it in like Nashville and driving it down or what was happening, man. But like, it took forever. And you know, I don't think we ever wound up getting it because I don't think um, we did either. I think we finally called and just was like forget you guys like it's been four hours like we don't even want our pizza like we're eating each other instead like we are done like we're just gonna eat the skinny ones or i guess or the fat ones i don't know but we're just gonna do something to survive because this pizza is taking four hours it was ridiculous so it was uh not good <laughs> no yeah i don't think we ever ended up getting it. we were on the phone with them multiple times i don't know yeah apparently everyone else at wrestlemania was ordering pizza that night. Yeah, like 11 o'clock at night, yeah. <laughs> very, very strange. But, uh, well, we got up Sunday. Um, I think we did some P90X or something. Uh, Absolutely. In the hotel room. Uh, went to Access. We had, like, two passes to Access, so we went a second time and just, you know, just walked around a little bit there. Saw a couple matches. I think we saw Chavo Guerrero match. Yeah. At one point. Um, don't remember who else we saw there. but uh, I feel like Zack Ryder was in one of them. Could have been. At some point, maybe. Yep. I don't know. Could have been. And, uh, you know, we, I guess we went back to the hotel and then we started to go towards the show. And, you know, I had on the shirt that I'm wearing as we record this, a shirt you gave me for my birthday that year, Santino Morella, mm-hmm. a ringer t shirt. Uh, still fits me perfect. You had on a Eddie Vedder concert tee. Yeah, concert from we went my to. bachelor. Yeah, my bachelor party. We went to see Eddie Vedder at the Ryman in Nashville, and I had a concert tee from that night. You know, I thought, hey, this will be unique. I'll just wear this to WrestleMania. <laughs> Chuck had on the classic Macho Man T-shirt, like the one that everybody knows, purple. You know, from the '80s and stuff. You got that for him, didn't you? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Or did he get it? Okay. And Josh had on like a Magellan fishing button down neon short green. Sleeve. 
a shirt he wore all the time. Our buddy Caleb was confused by this, though. (laughs) He was like, surely Josh is not going to wear that shirt to WrestleMania. So we left the hotel. We started walking towards uh, the Georgia Dome. And we were talking about the show. And Caleb's like, "We're, we're going back to the hotel, right? And we're like, no. It's like two hours before the show. We're going to grab something to eat and then go to the show. And Caleb's like, what? I I didn't think Josh was going to wear that to WrestleMania. I, I got to go back. I don't have my ticket. I left it in the room. <laughs> Surely Josh is not going to wear this fishing shirt to WrestleMania. He left his ticket in the room because he was assured, based on Josh's wardrobe, <laughs> that he was not. We were coming back. He was 100% positive that based on Josh's attire, we were coming back to the hotel. <laughs> so we go back to the hotel, uh, and Josh does not change, but uh, Caleb does get his, his ticket. And, uh, you know, the sad part of that story is Caleb did not actually make it to WrestleMania. Um, we went to eat at the CNN Center, which has a giant food court in it, and uh, Caleb had actually gotten a call in the middle of the night that his dad had suffered a pretty major health scare in, yeah. in the middle of that night. And it was, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't dying, uh, but it was like just a very, very, very bizarre traumatic. incident. Yeah. And he was sort of like on the fence and we were just like, dude, you, you gotta go home, man. Like it's, yeah. you know, just, you know, what if something does happen? Exactly. You know, I You're know it's WrestleMania, guilty. but yeah, you gotta go home. So, uh, one of those very, it's just a, it was, it was a strange weekend in a lot of ways, you know, with Josh getting yeah. sick and then that happening and uh, very unfortunate. Yeah, Josh's prostate <laughs> enlarged <laughs> or something. That's what wound up happening. So. Well, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> oh, well, I'll say it. So that's what his issue was, was why he was so sick over the weekend. But anyway, it was, uh, it was really good stuff, man. We had a blast. But, you know, as we, uh, well, I'll say that for a second. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you keep talking. Oh, well, I mean, that that's just that takes us pretty much to the show right here. WrestleMania 27, April 3rd, 2011 from the Georgia Dome. Uh, rest in peace to the Georgia Dome. Uh, yes, yeah, seriously. Atlanta, Georgia is no longer there. It got blown up for Mercedes-Benz Stadium to exist nowadays. But uh, really unique, very cool venue. Uh, man, I just remember my breath being taken away when we actually went in there and saw the biggest video screen, the biggest stage I've ever yeah. seen in my life there. Uh, really, really epic. Really, really cool. And, you know, as I don't know if I had gone to the – if we were walking through the concourse, the mezzanine together, or if I had gone to the bathroom later or whatever. I remember just specifically we walked – I walked past a guy. There's 70 what? 72. 4,000 people there or whatever at the George Dome that night. Yeah. I'm wearing a shirt I feel is pretty unique to right. a, to this situation. It's only going to be me there. I walk past another dude wearing the same Eddie Vedder 2009 solo concert uh, series t-shirt. And we just kind of look at each other and kind of just nod and just keep going and it was just like <laughs> like we didn't stop to talk Pearl Jam or anything we just kind of were like both blown away at how we passed each other and I was just like what are the odds of me walking past a student and still to this day I do not understand 
the crossover or how that happened. I thought for sure I was unique. So, but I mean, you know, when you go to a wrestling show, you're gonna see, you're probably gonna see somebody in the same wrestling shirt that you've got. Sure, at least one other person, no matter how unique that shirt is. But you don't expect to see a very rare. Eddie, Very not particular. a Pearl Jam. Sure. Yeah, yes, exactly. Eddie Vedder's solo tour. That sure. you could only get on his tour. It wasn't available online. It was only from the tour. But me and this dude from Atlanta apparently had been together. So anyway, it was crazy, man. But we had we walked down to our seats. And I remember just loving our seats, man. They were great. Great seats. Great, great seats. seats. Not on the floor, but like on the risers right up above the floor. So Yep facing you know right dead on towards the ring uh so just doing absolutely perfect uh, we were behind um one guy had a Miz shirt on and his best friend next to him had a john cena shirt on so they were like mm-hmm. you know right there ready for the main event and uh chuck chuck enjoyed talking to these two guys he did man these guys were not only uh just there they were there from the uk you know, they were there from the United Kingdom, and they were just, you know, one's a big Cena fan, one's a big Miz fan. And as I mentioned earlier, Chuck gets a little nervous around uh, famous people or whatever. Apparently, he just gets nervous around foreigners, too, because he asked these guys, out of all the things you could talk about with the UK or whatever, like, you know, WWE might ask him, they still use a phone booth or park an old trolley car, like they, like they use on their Raws from the UK. But anyway, Chuck goes, hey, man. Do you guys like Christian Bale? <laughs> they're like, that was it? That they're was like, the best I you mean, can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he's okay. <laughs> that, that's that's the British thing you can think of. That was it. That's that was Chuck. the first thing that popped in his mind. And it's still one of my favorite memories of anything to this day. Just <laughs> that. That just sums up <laughs> our pal so much that you have a world of op- like at your fingertips of things you're at WrestleMania the UK you're WrestleMania you're talking about anything and you ask British Bulldog hey man you guys like Christian Bale yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh golly well uh, you know this is a show that is not looked too fondly upon by a lot of wrestling fans it's probably in the bottom tier of WrestleManias but Always holds a special spot in our hearts, of course, from being there. Without this, question. This match that we're going to talk about is pretty much universally regarded as the the lone bright spot on this show. But I actually watched the whole show back this past weekend. I popped in the Blu-ray and, and watched it um, just because I hadn't watched the whole show in a long time. Uh, yeah. you can. I'll, I'll put some screenshots up. You can barely see us uh, a few instances uh, we can tell where we are because of Josh's neon green shirt. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He did not wear on purpose, but it actually we can actually point out where we are. Uh, really, at the beginning of the show, like the national anthem, I can see us yeah. uh, a few times. But uh, it's quite hilarious. Um, uh, just a few other shot uh, thoughts on the show before we get to the match. Um, I remember. I felt terrible for Caleb because he had to leave. So I, I went up. I was just going to go buy him a T-shirt, um, you know, just as a gift for him since he couldn't be there. And the lines to get to the merch took forever. And I actually missed almost all of the pre-show match because I was in line for so long. And I was so upset because the pre-show match was Daniel Bryan versus yep. Sheamus. And we were such Daniel Bryan marks at the time. And by the time I made it down back to the seat – 
the match, quote unquote, between Daniel Bryan and Sheamus had already turned into this stupid battle royal. Yeah. <laughs> because it wasn't even really a match. And I was just I didn't even get to see Daniel Bryan do his entrance. I was so disappointed and upset. <laughs> for the yeah. Match. Yeah, it was uh it was a you know unique uh, situation to say the least. But yeah, you <laughs> missed Daniel Bryan's first WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, so. uh, but you'll make that up in a few years at WrestleMania. Oh, that's true. It makes that's his true. big comeback. So yeah, you get you still get to see him at Mania. But um, yeah, I remember really liking the Punk and Ort- Orton match again. Even at this time, I didn't like to admit that I liked anything Orton did, but. Really dug that match. It was good. I think the wrong guy won, but I understand it's WrestleMania. Usually got us in the crowd home happy. Uh, we really dug the Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio match as well. That was a fun little little match there. But They're both you know, very good matches, yeah. Yeah, but this nothing takes nothing takes it like this match. This is the match that stole the show. Snooki got booed out of the building when she came out. So remember that uh, Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole got booed out of the building. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what more needs to be said about that? Um, Edge has what was his last match for yeah. uh, nine years at this point, uh, which is still really good. Obviously, we didn't know that at the time. And, uh, you know, at the uh, looking back, I'm a little disappointed because they sold T-shirts after the show, commemorative shirts that they printed up like right as the show was ending that uh, they sold one with the world title on it that said WrestleMania 27, April 3rd, Edge wins the world title. And then they sold another one with the WWE title that had The Miz winning on there. And I was like, I wanted to buy one after the show and I was torn, but I ended up buying The Miz one because it was the, you know, the WWE title, the main title, the big title. Right. And I was kind of a Miz Mark at the time. Sure. But then when Edge retires two weeks after the show, ever <laughs> since then, I've been like slapping myself on the head. Like, why didn't I buy the Edge t-shirt for his last freaking match? But uh, I feel a little bit better now because it wasn't his last yeah, match. I don't, I don't exactly. feel stupid anymore. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, man, uh, Kane wrestles in a two-minute comedy match and does one move in that match after uh, feuding with Undertaker for six months. Uh, yeah, you know it's 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 silly, but uh, it's actually it's not as bad of a show as people make it out to be. Uh-uh. Uh, there's there are some really good matches on the undercard, and then this match itself, man, it goes on third from the top. Uh, the Snooki match, as you mentioned, is going to go on second from the top, and then John Cena and Miz is going to uh, main event. But this will go on third from the top. Uh, before it happens, we actually get some highlights from WrestleMania week, uh, showing all the different events from WrestleMania week. And they actually did this WrestleMania art show that they show that took place at the legendary Fox Theater here in Atlanta. And some lady they show on there buying a painting of The Undertaker drawn by Jerry the King Lawler, for fifteen hundred dollars for charity. Oh goodness uh, gracious! I don't know if she's listened to the show. Maybe it was Dolores Hooper. I'm not sure, but uh, no. just, uh pretty uh, just goes to point to the uh, legendaryness of the Undertaker right there, man. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a pretty cool uh, little piece of history to have there. So, um, well, yeah, we're gonna get Jr. and the King on commentary for this, Thank which is God. fantastic. Yeah, because yes. I think Cole. Uh, 
is gone for this match because of his match with the King. So, yeah, we get JR and the King, which, again, made you think, man, what if this is Taker's last match? JR's calling it, you know? Right. So they really did a lot of uh, good sleight-of-hand stuff like this to make you believe this could be Taker's last night. So Get the same video package from SmackDown the other night with that Mark Colley song that we talked about. Then the lights go out, and we hear a bell toll. But it's not the Undertaker's signature bell toll. Instead, we hear some metal guitars playing, some drums, the bell tolling, lights flashing in the arena, and it's actually the intro to Metallica, to their song, For Whom the Bell Tolls. And it is on the Blu-ray. Because I watched this match on the Blu-ray. This is intact on the Blu-ray. Travis, you said it's not intact on the WWE Network. I don't think it is. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was like a Jim Johnson version of that, you know, like creator wrestler version of that. But it sounds very similar, I think. Now, again, don't quote me. I may be completely wrong. Don't know all my, all my Metallica stuff. Um, but again, this is a pretty iconic song. and It was pretty, pretty cool. They licensed it here for this night. Really, really cool. But it's not the best music that we're going to hear tonight. But really awesome. We get that. And then a bunch of like, Spartans come out with like shields and this is uh, you know they got they kind of come out and they're marching and they pull themselves away uh, with the shields up to reveal Triple H and his like Conan the Barbarian skull and all his big shoulder pads and his cloak he has on and um, it's the lights go out the music stops and then it's time to play the game (laughs) you know you get Lemmy and Triple H going to make his actual entrance down so Really, really, really cool. I remember in the arena that night, it was awesome to see live. Oh, yeah. And I was, uh, I don't think I recognized what the music was in the arena because I'm not a huge Metallica mark. So uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll admit that. Uh, you know, it may be embarrassing to say that, but I didn't know quite what it was. But uh, looking back, very, very uh, unique and special that he was able to use that for this entrance. And Metallica will play a role in, the, in next year's WrestleMania as well. As uh, Triple H makes his way to the ring, JR and King on commentary are noting that they are reuniting for what could be the biggest match in WrestleMania history. And as you point out in your notes, uh, pretty cool that they called these guys in all their matches throughout the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. And here they are back for them to go at it again here. Uh, Although they did not announce them the last time they wrestled at WrestleMania. That would have been JR and Heyman. It's true. Very true. Very true. But again, that didn't happen in this timeline. They, 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 yeah, they, they wrestled at WrestleMania. No, so. right. yeah. But again, they, they lay out for the rest of his entrance. They don't talk anymore. Triple H, uh, he's looking good. He's a little bigger than the last time we saw him last year at WrestleMania. It looks like he's put on you know, a good amount of, of, of good body weight you know, and muscle and stuff like that. And uh, The music stops, of course, when he makes his entrance. And Taker makes him wait a little bit. And then we're going to get the gong and the lights go out and this just purple lightning flashing across this huge backdrop. And then uh, I'll let you take it here as Taker's going to begin to make his entrance here. Well, he's got a new song playing. You know, it's uh, it's not the song, not the gong, not the the death march, the symphony. It's not Lip Biscuit. It's not Kid Rock. It's not uh, um, Dead Man Walking. It's Ain't No Grave from Johnny Cash playing him down to the ring and just being in the arena that night mm. probably the greatest entrance I've ever been 
in person for um, yeah wrestlemania 20 was really special and unique with paul bearer there but just the the aura of johnny cash stinging undertaker to the ring man there's nothing like it um i kind of thought that was going to be his entrance music for the rest of his career i'm kind of sad that it wasn't i know we all thought that it was awesome and yeah, I remember just hearing that because in the background of this song, you hear like a chain kind of like rattling. I remember just hearing that echo through the through the dome, man. It was so good. And flames are shooting up, smoke's covering the stage, and Taker walks up onto the stage from, from down below, and Atlanta just goes berserk for him. And oh, yeah. He's got his classic black cloak on, his black hat, and you see Triple H looking, looking in the ring, looking pretty unintimidated, doing a good job of showing no fear, and Taker just stares at Triple H as he walks down. And again, on the network, you're hearing his real theme song. Go watch it on YouTube. You're hearing Ain't No Grave. And I just wrote in my notes, man, just really, really, really cool to see this different music and how and how it plays in to his character and the storyline going on here. I just I really love it. And they're just staring holes through each other. And Taker gets in the ring, removes his hat and cloak, and they stand face-to-face in the middle of the ring, which, if you remember, on our last two WrestleMania matches we talked about the one at wrestlemania 25 they were supposed to face off he and sean no bell ring well accidentally the bell ringer rings the bell pretty early on and then last year they they stand face to face and then i think it was sean does the throat slash right to start off and then this year's just kind of you know capitalizing on all that and then standing face to face kind of redoing what they're supposed to have at wrestlemania 25 with Taker and Sean with no bell ringing, just him facing off in the middle, reminiscent of Taker's return back on 221.11. That's right. And we've got referee Scott Armstrong in there with them as they back to their corners, and he calls for the bell here finally. Uh, J.R. and King have laid out this entire time. Yeah, just been silent until the match starts, which is just a sign of their uh, their wisdom and their professionalism here. Uh, so the match finally starts. Triple H comes after Undertaker first, hits some punches in the corner. Undertaker shoves Triple H out of the way and then tosses him straight over the top rope out of the ring. Uh, remember, folks, this is no holds barred, so there's going to be a lot of fighting, uh, a lot of weapons and stuff being used here as Undertaker... Uh, follows Triple H to the outside. They brawl around the announce tables. Undertaker tosses Triple H into the steps. And then he tosses the top of the Spanish announce table away. And uh, starts uh, um, you know, taking the stairs and, and the table apart. Yeah, starts taking the Spanish announce table apart. And he turns around and Taker just, um, excuse me, Triple H spears him right through the coal mine. You know, Michael hmm. Cole is gone at this point, but he's Spears him right through the coal mine. The coal mine collapses. I think it actually comes back on Raw, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, so if you don't remember, he Michael Cole had this plexiglass cube. Yeah. Yes, where he did commentary and that protected him from Jerry the King Lawler. But yeah, Triple H knocks him into that, and that was just. I, I remember we're, we're like on the, pretty much the same side of the arena as yeah. that, and I remember we just had a great view of that spot and it was just oh like, yeah dude we're on our feet man oh yeah loving this because again right from the get-go it's just a big spot right here and it's just going to be basically the story of the match here so triple h rolls in and takers hits up from the rubble of the coal mine and he quickly gets in and they slug away in the middle of the ring and taker hits winds up reversing and ducking under a clothesline to hit his own running diving clothesline and starts working the left arm and shoulder and 
goes up for an old school, but Triple H tosses him off the top rope straight to the middle of the ring. Triple H clotheslines Undertaker back over the top rope, so they're back outside again. Uh, Undertaker or tri- Triple H whips Taker into the barricade, and he starts tearing up the uh, English announce table. As Jr. reminds us, it's no holds barred. Uh, Triple H goes for a pedigree, and Undertaker goozles him. Triple H gets out and tries for the pedigree again, but Undertaker back body drops him off the table and to the <clears throat> floor, right <clears throat> on his back here. And, I mean, this match is already really different than either of the Undertaker and Shawn matches with all the outside brawling, the whip into the coal mine, the weapons being used. It's going to continue to be uh, much more of a brawl than those two matches were. Yes, they're setting the stage from the get-go. This is not a wrestling match. This is a Mm -hmm. fight. The whole... Um, you're going to die or I'm going to die trying. To defeat, your your streak's going to die or I'm going to die trying. So really setting that stage really early on here. you know. And um, like you said, it, Triple H gets thrown off the table on the floor and he's writhing in pain as Taker slowly pulls himself up in the ring. And Taker actually at this point does something that he doesn't often do toward this side of the arena. You know, usually mm. he'll, he'll do the jump right. over toward the, uh, toward the um, walkway or the aisleway. But Triple H is on the outside, and Taker runs um, against the ropes and does that flying cow leap over the top rope onto a standing Triple H. And again, he did not attempt this last year at WrestleMania because two years ago it almost killed him. So he <laughs> it dang near done. killed him this time. It looked well. It looked yeah. almost just as bad. To me, it, it looked bad, but it, you didn't hear that crunch, and you didn't uh, see him <laughs> land on quite on the top of his head. But yeah, Triple H. There's only so much a guy can do to catch a 300-pound guy jumping at you. So, But he nails Triple H, and I remember just us in the audience just being blown away getting to see that live because we didn't see that at WrestleMania 20 in his match with Kane. Yep. But getting to see it here was something special. And, again, it's the first time he's brought it back since he almost died at WrestleMania 25. And, it, again, it's playing into those to that those previous matches with Shawn Michaels. It's It's another – connecting link into those so it's really really cool here um taker gets up to his feet and he moves the ring steps towards the spanish announce table slams triple h down on those goes for a tombstone on the stairs but triple h reverses and gets out of it uh undertaker runs towards triple h and triple h lifts him up he's like standing up on the stairs he lifts mm-hmm. lifts Undertaker up in a spine buster mm. off of the stairs through the Spanish announce table uh for the second best spine buster in Wrestlemania history you know, yep. second only to Arn Anderson doing it to Undertaker in that uh Taker Ric Flair match but this was again what a spot here again we had an awesome view from it from where we were sitting so Dude, I, my mind was already just blown at this yeah. point. I was like totally sucked into this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I just wrote my notes to it. These guys are already doing more than they have to for the fans this night. Oh, Triple yeah. H didn't need to take that bump off the off the, uh, turn, off the the turn table onto the floor. And, you know, Taker didn't have to take this bump, you know, but they're already doing more. This is a brutal match. They get back in the ring somehow. Taker chokeslams Triple H in the middle of the ring. Goes for a two or goes for a three count, but he only gets a two. And uh, I just wrote too here. It's really good hearing Jr. call this match and not Matt Stryker because he just gives it so much more gravitas, you know, and just so much more seriousness and doesn't make stupid little lines. So King says that Taker hasn't ever met a man 
as remorseless as Triple H at WrestleMania. Except for Triple H when he met him <laughs> 10 years ago. Shh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> well, the crowd, uh, including us, are into it. They've got dueling mm-hmm. Undertaker Triple H chants. That's Triple H. Uh, he makes the mistake that he made at WrestleMania X7. He goes for the 10 punches into the corner. And just like at WrestleMania X7, Undertaker goes for the last ride. But they actually do a little nod to that. And Triple H learns from his past as he gets out of that last ride. He goes for a pedigree. Uh, Undertaker gets out of that. He hits snake eyes. Uh, but Triple H catches Undertaker going for that running big boot that he usually hits after Snake Eyes and gets another spine buster on him for yeah. the two count. Yeah, absolutely. It's just fantastic. Just big move after big move. Triple H rolls out and grabs a chair, brings it in. Taker boots him in the face, though, before he can get to use it. And then Taker grabs the chair and smashes it across Triple H's back. He swings again, but Triple H is going to turn this into a pedigree, actually. He kind of uh, evades it and, and pedigrees Taker here just in the ring for a near fall you know we get like a two two and a half count and just uh he's already kicking out of the pedigree it's awesome a lot more near falls coming as triple h gets undertaker up onto the top rope and he goes for a superplex but undertaker slips down out of that and then he hits the last ride out of the corner he gets a two count off of that Undertaker's frustrated with that two count and does the throat slash. He picks Triple H up, goes for the tombstone, and connects with it. So pretty early on, but he connects with that tombstone classic cover. But Triple H kicks out of the tombstone. And Undertaker is just frustrated at this. He slams his fists down and just he doesn't know what to do here. Yeah, he gets up and grabs that chair and just throws it down in the middle of the ring in frustration. So we've seen this the last two two years with his matches with Sean, him showing more frustration when he can't get the big pin. Um, but yeah, like you said, kicked out of a, a last ride and a tombstone. Mm. We just knew we were in for something special here. And uh, really, really cool. And uh, Triple H, um, so he Taker picks Triple H up for another tombstone, but Triple H slips out and ends up hitting a DDT on that still chair that Taker just slammed. So DDT's Taker's head right into the steel chair. Both men are down, double down here as Hotlanta is cheering and raucous. We're going crazy. We're going nuts. Triple H, uh, uh, excuse me, Taker shoves Triple H back in the the back of the head and kind of struggles to get up. Triple H hits the Saget pedigree. The crowd's going nuts. Both guys struggle to get up. Triple H hits a third pedigree. For this match, Dude. unprecedented here, and Undertaker kicks out again at the very last millisecond, and Triple H is frustrated now. He grabs the chair and just hits Undertaker in the back with it like seven or eight times here, yeah. over and over and over again. And JR decides to nominate the steel chair for the Hall of Fame <laughs> in 2012, which I'll, I'll second that endorsement, man. Yeah. Steel chair for Hall of Fame. <laughs> next year as triple h does something that we'll see next year uh sort of a a prequel to next year's match as he yells at undertaker to stay down and tells him you know just let him end things here don't keep fighting just stay down let it be over yeah i mean he's hit him with three pedigrees he kicked out all three of them, so it's just crazy, you know. And like you said, setting the precedent for what's going to come next year. So, 
Taker just looks dead on the mat, and Triple H is sitting against the bottom rope, not covering him because he's overwhelmed almost with emotion here. Like he, like he said, he doesn't have. He's just like, I can't beat this guy. So uh, he keeps yelling at Taker to stay down, and Taker pulls himself up, and Triple H runs at him and hits a chair shot straight to the head. And I remember mm. us just being like, <gasps> like they did a chair shot to the head. That was a no, no. You cannot do that. And um, they did that here. And and in real life, they got um, they got fined uh, backstage, and you know I think it's okay because they their two guys are pretty much bulletproof. But again, it is kind of neat that the company didn't just let it slide. They actually banned these two megastars yeah. here. Um, but so they got away with it. They did get away with it though. But we, I, remember, I just remember being so shocked. We had just seen a headshot with a chair, and I thought maybe that's going to be it. Maybe that's going to be it, but it's not here. As uh, Triple H kind of collapses in the corner on his knees instead of covering Undertaker. And Taker, he's down for a bit, but he tries to get up. Triple H yells at him again, stay down, just die. What is wrong with you? As they're they're acting here. Sports entertainment. They're telling a story. Undertaker actually gets up and he goozles Triple H, but... He's so weak that Triple H actually shakes his head and shoves his hand off. And Undertaker, this is sort of a throwback to WrestleMania 26. Undertaker is sort of in that Shawn Michaels position now as Triple H is like going to put him down, put him out of his misery, and he's struggling to fight. And then one of the greatest near falls in WrestleMania history takes place Mm -hmm. right here. Yeah, Triple H does the throat slash. Then he gets... Taker up in a tombstone. He does the picture tombstone perfect. Take. Yeah, oh, picture perfect. Like it was amazing. And he even goes on to mock the Undertaker and and you know cross his arms over his chest with the classic pin. Triple H even does the tongue spot, like like where his tongue is hanging out, just like Taker does. And Taker somehow kicks out at the last possible millisecond. And I remember in that arena thinking that was it we'd seen three pedigrees a chair shot to the head and a tombstone from triple h i thought this is over and a lot of the crowd did too man just bringing all the emotions back as i'm watching it again here it was so so awesome i think you and i and seventy-two thousand other people all thought that was yeah. the end right there what just incredible and Triple H, he backs away from Undertaker after he kicks out like he's seen a ghost. He just lets it breathe for a moment as the crowd is chanting, this is awesome. And Triple H goes out of the ring. What does Triple H do when he doesn't know what else to do? He gets the sledgehammer out from under the ring. Again, playing into WrestleMania 17 here. As Undertaker struggles up to his feet, Triple H is, uh, brings the hammer towards him. Uh, Triple H drags Undertaker to the center of the ring, but Undertaker yanks him down and locks in Hell's Gate. He has got Hell's Gate in while Triple H is distracted with the sledgehammer, and Triple H drops the hammer out of his hand because he can't escape from it. Undertaker is cinching it in, and Triple H is reaching over towards the hammer, but it's, it's locked in. He's fading Triple H tries to stand up, but he drops down again. He grabs the hammer down beside him, but he drops it again. And Undertaker just cinches in that Hell's Gate one more time, just locks it in a little bit tighter. And Triple H 
taps out at mm. 29 minutes, 23 seconds as the streak goes <sighs> to 19 and 0. Emotional roller coaster of a match. Yes. Incredible sports entertainment storytelling here. It didn't. This is what I can say about this match. It didn't feel like 29 minutes. It felt like 10 minutes, you know? It did. We've talked about some of these awful matches that could have had 10, 15 minutes shaved off of them here. I didn't feel like I watched a 30 30 minute match here. It just flew by. It really did, man, and it's cool too because it's telling a different story. It's almost like as if you're playing Raw vs SmackDown and you got it at signatures and finishers only. You know, <laughs> like you don't have any other moves; you just have those because that's what they're hitting. They're hitting this big stuff. But again, this is all about defeating the streak. It's not about a wrestling match. It's just about making a statement. I'm gonna, your streak's gonna die, or I'm gonna die trying. And it looked like Triple H about died there. He's in Hell's Gate for a long time. Finally taps out for what the second time in his WrestleMania tenure he tapped out at this point up to this point. Yeah, we um, were there for both of them. Yeah, it's crazy. How about that? <laughs> How about it? But um, if you're watching the network, you will not hear "Ain't No Grave." But as soon as this match is over, "Ain't No Grave" echoes through the arena, and like you said, nineteen and zero flashes up on the Tron, and fireworks are just explode. Both guys are laying in the middle of the ring, and I remember just being emotionally exhausted. At this point, watching this beautiful specimen of a wrestling match. And there's this big LED cube screen that they had for this WrestleMania that lowers down that has 19 and 0 on it. Um, I took a picture of it on my BlackBerry because my camera, uh, like yeah. my digital camera, had actually died. <laughs> I for, forgot to charge the batteries for friggin' WrestleMania, so I have BlackBerry pictures, but uh, I'll post that on there. Uh, we see it on the big screen the giant screen jr king are talking about it jr says uh, an excursion through hell but somehow some way the streak still lives and the king uh and jr just putting it over the crowds going nuts as 19 and 0 but the real story here as you said triple h nearly died trying but the undertaker nearly dies trying to put him mm-hmm. away as well because um, as we see the crowd, there's actually a group of fans. They all ha- they have a headstone for all of 19 yes. of Undertaker's matches. Great commitment from those fans out there. Uh, yeah. but then we see something we've really never seen before. Undertaker, he doesn't get up and do the Shakespeare pose. He doesn't move. He lies motionless in the ring after his victory. Yep. And the music plays. The pyro goes off. He's still down. And the doctor actually comes in to check on the dead man. Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember, you know, at the time thinking, is this real? Is this not real? Is it a work? Is it a shoot? What's going on? But then you can kind of figure out eventually it's a it's a work. But at first, you know, they had me. They really did. And 
Triple H backs in the corner as a medical staff check on Taker, and Triple H makes up to his feet finally and leaves the ring, and Taker's eventually able to drag himself to the apron and kind of slide out under the bottom rope, but then he just collapses on his face on the outside. He just falls to both his feet, and Ain't No Grave at this point stops playing, and the crowd in Atlanta is just cheering for Taker, like just giving him a standing ovation. You know, appreciating what he put his body through and almost killed himself, you know, defending the honor of keeping the streak intact. They actually sort of break kayfabe for a moment as Triple H, he he starts to walk away. He's actually on his feet and moving even though he lost the match and Undertaker's on the ground, but Triple H, he like goes to check on Undertaker. Yeah. But Scott Armstrong and the doctors tell him to stay back. You know, they don't want him to attack Undertaker. You know, this is serious. This is real. And Taker tries to pick himself up off the ring apron, and uh, but he actually just collapses down again. And the medical cart drives down, and they put Undertaker on the back of a medical cart, which... Pretty sure we haven't seen that in uh, 21 years of covering The Undertaker, of The Undertaker not walking away and putting him, making him a human here, turning him into not just this spectacle, this ghost, this this demon, this phenom, but just a, a human being, Mark Calloway, this man who is spent, is exhausted, and is going to be driven off as the crowd, like, gives him the sympathy clap and... Yeah. Dean Malenko and Mike Rotunda try to help Undertaker, you know, to his feet. Yeah. And it's just, uh, again, blurring the lines like that Triple H Undertaker promo where he says he's going to put him down. It's bringing all that into question here and um, just leaving you, even though Undertaker won the battle, perhaps he lost the war. Exactly. It's a wonderful way to put it, man. And I just, I loved all of this. And uh, by the way, Scott Armstrong and the Doctor sounds like a band from the '60s. I love that. So, but um, I go see him. Yeah, yeah. But just, just like you said, standing ovation as he's getting carted out. And yeah, it just we haven't seen this before uh, to this severity, you know. And it was that's why I made you wonder, you know, is this real? Is it not? And I just like we mentioned earlier, I forgot how much I love this match, but I love this match, and it's just. It's different than the last two. It had to be different because Triple H is great, but he's no Shawn Michaels. And this match had a lot of callbacks to those. It was fantastic. It's going to set up next year wonderfully, but it showed Triple H's brutal side. And I think this match is some perfect storytelling. Some people might take it down a notch because it doesn't have a lot of uh, psychology in the ring, maybe, as far as working a body part or whatever. But like that wasn't what this story called for. Sometimes matches don't call or storylines don't call for those type of matches. So this one was perfectly executed in my opinion. It told the story that was supposed to tell. And I love it. I love Triple H taking the loss but leaving on his own two feet, Taker getting the win, having to be carted out. Sets us up for really smart booking going into next year. This match is five stars in my opinion, you know, that's not saying it's better than Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker. No. Either one of those; those are both five stars too. You know, it's sure. you know, it, it's as good as it can get. You know, I'm not going to go Dave Meltzer and make one nope. of them six stars or seven stars. I mean, this is as great as it can get. You know, and and especially as part of the four match story being told here, um, 
I don't think it's biased from being there in person, although it, it no. will always hold a special place in our heart because of that. But, um, you know, even watching it back, not even trying to think about that sort of stuff, it's it's fantastic. One of both men's best matches, WrestleMania or or anywhere. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. You got to watch it. It's worth re-watching uh, if you haven't watched it in a while. Absolutely fantastic. The beginning of this final era of The Undertaker. And it sets the stage for our next match. We're going to travel one whole year in advance. Our yeah. time traveling hearse is going to start speeding through the years as we head to WrestleMania 28 next year. Rolling, rolling, rolling onto the last ride. We'll finish off this four-match series with the end of an era, Triple H versus The Undertaker. That wasn't really the end of anything, but um, nope. still a great match. And these two will face off in hell in a cell at WrestleMania 28. So that's next week's episode. Of course, we want to hear what you guys thought. We gave us, we gave you in-depth. We went you know, way over the top with all of our stories here <laughs> on this week's episode. You know, our uh, our WrestleMania adventure was not even over after that night as we, we left the arena. We watched the main event. We went to a late night wing spot called Wing Nuts uh, mm. after the show and just, you know, ate pounds and pounds of wings and decompressed. But uh, the next morning, I think we had the best meal of WrestleMania weekend. Oh, the, my. For lunch, I guess. Oh, my. Yeah, we went to... Abdul the Butcher's <laughs> Meat Factory. What was it called, dude? House of Ribs and Chinese House Food. Of ribs and China. Abdul the Butcher's House of Ribs and Chinese Food. So Hall of Famer uh, Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah, exactly. He so, was inducted that weekend. He was, man. It was great to see Abby inducted and um we ate there and I think I stopped probably three times on the way home to uh, I have to go to the restroom because it was um, it was frightening to my bowels. <laughs> not a lot of uh, I, I didn't see the health code rating in there. I'm not sure it was posted in that restaurant. But, uh, yeah, Abby was there in person. Man, he was signing well, autographs. Try to come in there. <laughs> he was signing forks. Uh, and, you know, it, yeah. that uh, restaurant does not exist anymore. Let's just say that. It's, no, <laughs> it is uh, no longer in existence. But uh, we had to check it out, man. I had to check it out on the way out of town. Had to. Our final moment as we said goodbye to each other. Uh, maybe not knowing if we'd ever see each other again after eating there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was got to leave on a medical cart. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, we're not the only people who watched that show or who were there for that show. We've got some comments from you guys. Uh, I know we're running long, so I'll, I'll run through these fairly quickly. But Zach L two one seven on Twitter at Talking Taker said he convinced his aunt and uncle to get this show for him on pay per view because it had the Miz in the main event, and we're yeah. from Cleveland and we love the Miz. There but, you go. Uh, he said this Taker Triple H match was amazing. Uh, Jeremy Bagley said, you know, this match was the end of an era that lasted nine more years. Uh, we'll talk about that next yeah. week. Um, the downturn uh, said what we've been saying this whole episode. They were mad that they acted like WrestleMania 17 never happened. Yep. Uh, Philip Goad said these two guys were the last two remaining from the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. Who won this main event again? Uh, he, he said no, that at the end of his tweet. This surely should have been the main event. Uh, although Miz's interest for that main event was oh. And Cena's was too. Yeah. Miz's with Hate Me Now and then Cena's with The Choir. 
Also two really good entrances there. I bet um, maybe now it's not on the network either, is it? Mm, I, I don't know. Cause I watched you watched the, the blue, right? Yeah. yeah. It is on Dang. The That's so good, man. Yeah. The inflatable letters, awesome. Uh, I mean, awesome. Awesome. At JSL2 underscore said this was the best match on the card. Uh, Kai Travis Square, or Squire, excuse me, Kai Travis Squire said he was there as well and said he was underwhelmed by the event itself, but this was definitely the highlight of the night. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely. And like I said, Watch Along Tommy, Watch Along Wrestling was there in person also. Um, he wrote me a great long uh, message on here. I'm going to hit the highlights on this, but this was also his first ever WrestleMania. Now, he's a New York guy, but this was his first no. WrestleMania. Uh, basically says, you know, we, we mentioned on the show he went to the Royal Rumble in Atlanta in 2010 on a whim with a friend. Uh, and after the show, uh, they were going to head to a diner, but he decided against it because his friend was tired. And as it turned out, Edge was also at that diner. Mm. He did a photo op with all these people. Might have been the one we went to where Chuck got his cake smashed in the ground. I don't know. Exactly. But they made a pact from that moment on to come back to WrestleMania, and they actually ended up eating at that diner at WrestleMania weekend and ran into Dolph Ziggler, Nikki Bella, so uh, I think this is when they were together, and uh, Zack Ryder mm. all eating together. Says Dolph Ziggler blew him off, but Zack Ryder could not have been nicer. <laughs> Sounds about right. right? Yeah. <laughs> they did the whole access thing. Tommy says he uh, and his buddy actually bought and wore nice clothes to the Wrestlemania to the Hall of Fame show just Thank like we did you. so we were Thank not you. alone I uh, talked about the whole city being decorated and the CNN Center with all the restaurants was like their big hangout for the weekend uh, said somebody in the hotel in there had a sign that said if Cena wins I'll jump off the balcony it's hanging off of their Whoops. balcony well they didn't have to this one yeah <laughs> They uh, posed in that same Undertaker's casket, did the whole Access photo op, got to meet Daniel Bryan at Access. Oh, man. Said, remembers just walking to WrestleMania for the first time, seeing the whole setup inside of the stadium, um, just a lifetime of waiting and, and just being overwhelmed by it, and ended up going to six manias after that. Uh, but they were they were just like us at Raw uh, the year before. They're in the top of the the arena, top of the Georgia Dome with that bird's eye view. Uh, <laughs> said this was an incredible match. Ended up enjoying it so much that he bought a Undertaker Triple H commemorative shirt after wow. the show, rather than just the regular WrestleMania shirt. Um, and wanted Triple H to break the streak really bad, but they both got a standing ovation, and he got his first WrestleMania moment. So, great comments there from Tommy. Yeah, thank Love you. Love that we were there together uh, before we even knew each other. That's really cool. Yeah. And uh, Travis, I know you got some uh, some comments from our buddy Chuck. He he gave us his quick and dirty thoughts. Uh, why don't you run through some of those? Oh yeah. <laughs> in perfect Chuck could. form. It's like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Um, we let him know we're recording this tonight, and he said uh, mid-card bus, because that we, we, the whole mid-card drove up behind the, that hotel, and they basically got off, and um, he, he said, my wife said I should come and say hi. He wrote, uh, hold on, carrot cake slam in front of a homeless man. 
discovering my fear of heights, uh, not moving one seat because the view is great right here, getting yelled at for beating on the lobby desk. I forgot Chuck beat on the lobby desk. I'm just happy and excited and drumming, and I got yelled at by the lady working there. Uh, prostate infection. Uh, are you guys Christian Bell fans? Identical Eddie Vedder t-shirt. Calgary kid. I think, did Chuck yell that? Calgary he must kid. have. At Miz. But, yeah. At Miz. Uh, worst main event of all time, he says. Van of Thousand Holds. I totally forgot this. Dean Malenko pulled up in a like minivan, like as his travel car, and we dubbed it the <laughs> Van of a Thousand Holds. Uh, and I totally <laughs> forgot that. That's uh, great. I, I guess Josh made you guys listen to Buster Rhymes songs on the way there. I was not with you, thank God. Um, <laughs> he talked about punk walking down the street. He also mentions that Alberto Del Rio is in a windbreaker ensemble, mm. and. Uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah, we, we, I don't know. It, it, he wanted a windbreaker on, I guess, outside. You know, and, um, as one does. Yeah. And Chuck said that we should have uh, started our podcast tonight off and said, here we were walking around Midtown Atlanta searching for a walk-in clinic only to discover our friend had a prostate infection. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is WrestleMania 27. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Dalvinos 8-Hour In-Route Pizza Delivery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they were making like the Domino's commercials like they make now, like with them, you know, owning up to their mistakes yep. and you know, giving free pizza to people, we definitely deserved it. After yep. That. But uh, he also said Alberto, Alberto Del Rio may have lost to Edge this night, but he was undefeated against the Wind that weekend. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And Chuck. if you're spotted on the mid card bus, your chances of being future endeavored are somewhere around a hundred percent. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of those guys we saw didn't last too long. But nope. What an amazing weekend. Once in a lifetime for us. Next WrestleMania is once in a lifetime. Cena versus Rock. But this was once in a lifetime for us. So uh, sure. so fun to reunite and uh, to share those memories with the uh, once again with you, Travis. Chuck and Josh, we miss you guys and we love you guys and wish you guys could have been part of this podcast with us want to give a quick shout out to our brothers at the bottom line wrestling podcast mike and jv going through the career of stone cold steve austin one match at a time they are celebrating their two-year podcasting anniversary this week so go check out their episode uh to cover in the summer of 2001 with stone cold steve austin's career uh we love those guys we love their podcast doing a similar journey to us with stone cold steve austin so happy for them that they've stuck with it as they are entering uh, really their final stretch as well sort of here and uh yeah We'll keep rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride with our podcast next week. So be sure to follow us. Uh, you can hit us up with some comments. And real quickly, before we end, I got to give us our top 10. We gave our top 10 for the previous era last week, uh, 2004 to 2010. We took the fans' vote. You guys all voted on your top 10 matches from that era. I'm going to run through them very quickly here. Um, a lot of ties here. Um, especially at the top. Unlike the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I've. Uh, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you. So um, I'm just gonna. I'm actually gonna give you 12 matches here. Uh, so at the lower end of the votes, we had um, Armageddon 2007, which was on my list, but not on your list, I believe. Uh, Undertaker, Batista, and Edge in a triple threat match, and then also. 
Uh, same amount of votes was Armageddon 2005, Undertaker versus Randy Orton, Hell in a Cell match. So okay. that made people's top tens. Um, right above that was Royal Rumble 2010, Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, which was on my list, not on yours. Sure. Backlash 2007 was right above that. Uh, t- uh, that got, um, you know, that's Undertaker versus Batista in Atlanta, which was on both of our list. And then right above that, a match that was on your list, but not on my list, Undertaker versus Kane at WrestleMania 20. So that uh, was sort of uh, in the mid-level of people's votes, uh, pretty high on their list. It was your number 10, I believe, but did not make yeah. my list. Here's one of the biggest differences, uh, I guess the number one difference in either of our lists and the fans' list, basically in the number four spot here, WrestleMania 21, Undertaker versus Randy Orton received a huge chunk of votes wow. from people. So the fans, that's where we differ with the fans the most, uh, was that match. Did not make either of our lists, but the fans really uh, have fond memories of that one. That's respectable. I can respect that. But it's I a just, good again, match. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't my favorite of all those matches that no, year. but didn't make our top ten. But uh, And then number three would have been no Way Out 2006, Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, of course. Uh, all-time classic there. And then a uh, uh, three-way tie for number two. All received a bunch of votes. These were on almost every list. WrestleMania 23, Undertaker versus Batista. WrestleMania 24, Undertaker versus Edge. And SummerSlam 2008, Undertaker versus Edge, Hell in a Cell. So okay. all... Th- all three of those were on both of our list. Um, they were on all but one person's. They, they make they got almost every vote. Uh, they each were missing from one person's list, different people's lists. But at the two at the top, the two that received votes on every person's list, as you can imagine, WrestleMania 25 and WrestleMania 26. So we'll call that a tie. We didn't have people rank them. I just had people right. vote, and we tallied up the votes. But those are your two number ones, without question. No, no, uh, no doubt in anybody's mind. Those were the top two of that era. So, thanks to everybody for voting, and we will do a big, massive vote here uh, in a few months when we get to the end of everything. Uh, we'll reveal, reveal our top matches all time, and we'll get your top all time votes as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for participation in that. We always appreciate you guys doing that. And again, we've heard from a lot of you. If you were here this night, what did you think? What did you? Was this your favorite match? Like it was ours of the night. What are your experiences? We shared a lot of them. We've got a super, super duper charged episode tonight. You guys are getting uh, all your more bang for your buck because it's free. But um, <laughs> anyway, we hope you appreciated this. We like to give our personal touches on the times we were there. So we hope you appreciated it. Um, did you walk by somebody in a crazy shirt that you didn't think you would have yes. uh, meet somebody, your doppelganger? But um, anyway, uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe and take her easy. Will the Undertaker ever be the same after this?